The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the California Angels and the City of Los Angeles, on the occasion of Her Majesty's Royal Visit, please welcome internationally renowned opera star Enrico Palazzo. Yes, he's in the intensive care ward at Our Lady of the Worthless Miracle. You should have been pulled in the forefront they have. You are now locked in to the latest episode of the Hey! It's Enrico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast, part of the Roto Fanatic Podcast Network. Go to rotofanatic.com today and check out Matt Williams' player breakdowns. They're not the best in the business for nothing, folks. It's episode 74, the Kenley Jansen edition. It is truly a pleasure to have on today's guest. You know him from rotowire.com, and he is one of the legends of the fantasy baseball industry going all the way back to the 1990s. Let's give it up for everybody's favorite and most popular analyst by far, Jeff Erickson. Join your hosts, Christopher Deary and Michael Govier, as they break down fantasy baseball with Jeff. They'll do some insane fantasy takes, unlock the mysteries of some keeper conundrums, and as always, shine or ride the pine, where we'll get Jeff Erickson on the record for his 2021 predictions. So get ready for something special, because Jeff's been on ESPN before, and you know we're going to bring our A-game for this one. Take it away, boys! into the Hey, it's Rico Plato Fantasy Baseball Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you aboard, as always. We love connecting and experiencing this wonderful world of fantasy baseball with you. I'm your host, Michael Govier, at MJGovier on Twitter, and my co-host, Christopher Deary, at CDeary1999. Chris, how are you doing today on this Monday? It's great. TGFBI has just started, so round two in my league has begun. So we're at pick 18 here. I picked number 10. I took Trevor Story. Wow, great. We're going to talk more about that in the show, but I would be remiss if we did not bring in our guest. Today's guest is a renowned legend of the fantasy baseball field. He really is. You ask around, and I have, and nobody has negative things to say about this man. He's really supportive. Uh, He also is very knowledgeable. He works at RotoWire. He's been on ESPN. I've seen your face on ESPN, so that's pretty cool. (laughs) 
Jeff Erickson, welcome to the program. It's a pleasure to have you aboard on this lovely Monday afternoon. My my pleasure. I haven't been on TV much lately. Um, I used to do this thing called the uh, Fantasy 350. Uh, Eric Carabell got tired of being on TV on Fridays, I think. He wanted to get home to Philly. So he goes, hey, come on, join. You know, you guys can do this. this is myself and Chris Liss, we did this uh, with Brian Kenny and Michael Kim back when they were still with the network on ESPN News. And we talked fantasy sports for 10 minutes. It was great. It was awesome. And it's kind of free form. They say like, hey, what do you want to talk about? Send us a list of questions and we'll go from there. Brian Kenny's super awesome, nice guy though, and uh, it just it, it was a it was a hell of a way to get a little bit of exposure at a time when we really could use it. Really, Brian Kenny's a super nice guy. That's good to know because a lot of people have beefs with the Shredder, and they don't think it in fantasy <laughs> baseball circles. People have, think the Shredder is like a built for hot take type stuff, but it doesn't mean it's not it, built for fantasy. Fan- no, no, that, that's why people get so upset with us, right? Because everybody in in our culture that's strictly fantasy based, you look at the shredder and like, what? Why is Ozzy Albies like fifth? Yeah, well, here's the thing with BK. Uh, he, first of all, he's very intellectually curious, uh, more so than I think a lot of his brethren of, of his generation, maybe even. You know, he he really dove into sabermetrics at a time when there was a lot of pushback against this. This is like almost pre Moneyball, even. You know, and where. OBP was sabermetrics in a way. And <laughs> Joe Sheehan and I would do back-to-back segments frequently. And in fact, drive down together. I'm pretty good friends with Joe. Uh, and Joe, uh, you know, he'd go back and forth with BK. And he, he, Brian's like, tell me more. Let me learn more. And you can see that in his show now today, that he is all into analytics. He's all into trying to find new ways to parse the game. So maybe the output isn't what you, you people agree with. But the fact is, he's diving in. He cares. He's really interested. He wants to learn more. Uh, and same thing applies to fantasy. He played in a saber. I played in a like saber metric friendly league with him where we used OBP instead of uh, batting average. He did a couple other things differently. Uh, and he was always like, let's, let's do this. Uh, so he's great. Michael Kim is so nice. Uh, there's a few other hosts that I'd interact with. Uh, the producer, Michael Epstein is a really awesome guy too. Uh, Epi, if you ever get a chance to deal with him, uh, another wonderful person, it was a great time. And this was pre Matthew Berry going to ESPN. Uh, so once Matthew got there, they beefed up, added a lot more people to their own fantasy stable. So that kind of dried up after that, but, and as well, it should, it's no beef there, but, uh, at any rate, it, it was, it was really cool to have that experience and you know, helped us grow. Fantastic. Wow. That's some great insider knowledge. I love to hear that. I am such a consumer of radio and television, like, not gossip, mm-hmm. but just like how things are run. Because I, I worked at TV news for a couple of years back in the day. Okay. Uh, I never worked at like a major network. I worked at affiliates in Charleston, South Carolina and Cincinnati, Ohio. So okay. I had a passion for it. And then I kind of got into teaching and teaching wasn't that fun. So <laughs> now I decided just to go all in. And these days you can make your own stuff happen. You know, you can right. make your own podcast and live stream. So you can kind of circumvent the system in a sense. And it's made it a lot more difficult for places like ESPN too. I imagine that's why they've done the cuts at certain places in certain areas of their budget, which I understand, but we also lose cool people. And I hope that those people still get the voices and the opportunities because they're out there and they're, they're widely available. Oh yeah. And it's such a different community now and talking fantasy, especially, you know, when we, when I, we started Roto news, it was Roto news back in 1997, Peter Shanky, myself, and a guy named Herb Elk wow. We're all still together. Herb is our, our CTO, our guy. He built the website. He's the tech guy behind everything. 
Peter and I are kind of more f the face types, but whatever, or with, without really having a great face, but whatever. Beautiful. Um, hey, you're a sexy man, Jeff. Come oh, on yeah, now. Yeah. My, my my wife agrees with you, and so that's all that all that matters. So that's good. She's uh, a smart lady. But uh, you know. It, it was uh, the wild west. There was nothing out there. I mean, there were things Ron Chandler was doing stuff. Uh, you know, labor actually existed. John hunt was the man in baseball weekly. I wouldn't say there's nothing, but it was still like, there was no side-by-side -side news. This is what it means for your fantasy thing. And Peter said, Hey, every newspaper is going on the internet. Now we should have a feed. And, you know, instead of waiting to, for USA today to tell us two days later, why my player didn't play and it's too late, let's get it actionable. And so, that was like the bread and butter of what we started with, and it just kind of blew up from there. Yeah, RotoWire is huge now, and I got to be honest, as a player, uh, 20 years, I've said this before, you listen to the show, I've played fantasy baseball for 20 years, and I wasn't always familiar with RotoWire as much, but I've become more familiar, a lot more familiar in the last three years. And cool. you guys are you guys are very good, and the, the subscription's worth it, and all the information is worth it. It's part of the elite package that I talked about with a very, very inner circle guy that I will not reveal, but he knows baseball <laughs> pods as well as anybody else. And RotoWire is one of the subs he recommends that oh, you must cool. have in 2021. So well, I appreciate well, I, that. I, I think what's happened is, you know, everyone who's been playing for years like us is so many people end up just sticking with the sites that they play on ESPN, Yahoo, CBS, mm -hmm. and they stick to the articles there or the rankings there. But there is so much out there. And I think now that more people are getting to NFBC, you know, podcasts have pushed out all these different networks, fan tracks, other places to play that you're right. trying to get as much information as possible. And RotoWire yeah. is certainly one of those. Well, thanks. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, there is a barrier to entry. We do have, you know, it's a subscription. We do have a free trial for everybody to check out. Um, and we push it all the time on our show. We push it on all our podcasts and radio spots and all that. And even on Twitter, you know, we want people to check it out because, we believe enough in the product that they'll want to subscribe afterward. And that's great. There's plenty of free services out there that are also really good too. And that's the thing. This industry is huge now. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, just like TGFBI starts today. What Jason, Justin Mason has done with that, you know, one of the great things about it has made us realize how many people are out there producing great stuff, whether it's a podcast, whether it's live stream, whether it's an article here and there, you know, or just a blog, you know, and getting people more chance to be seen and read and heard. It, it's there's, it's a great thing. And, you know, you know, one thing about our community is like, like I, I run, I'm on the board of Tout Wars and we're old. We don't go away. We're always there. And so, you know, it's like, why don't we have new voices? Well, I'm not going to kick people out. And that's part of the problem. We added a new league this year. And so that added like 12 new touts and I'm excited about that. But yeah, I know Matt Williams wrote a fanatic. We're very proud of him making yeah. that cut. Matt's great. Matt and Matt, Matt, uh, Matt does a lot of great stuff. I mean, he's a great Twitter follower, uh, follow, um, you know, absolutely. And the thing is, it just makes me realize, wow, I can't, I can't possibly get in everybody that deserves to be in. And I, I'm not going to kick anybody out either. I mean, that's why, that's why TGFBI is awesome. It's one of those things that, you know, it's just growing every single year in Justin. I can't imagine the amount of energy it takes to organize that. Well, he loves it. He gives all his energy to his family, and then the rest is fantasy baseball. Or it's the other way around. I'm not sure. But either way, Daniel Salinger, his wife, is the best fantasy wife in the business and always keeps mm -hmm. him in line. So they're a good combo as well. And Raslam starts next week. That's another one, which is cool, too. So it's a little different, though, with the points and the cut line. It's a little more uh, progressive, in my opinion, but I like it. So you're right. There is other opportunities, and I'm glad that Tot Wars squeezed in a few more names. Shelly, also, there's a lot of names that you guys added that I'm a big fan of. Been on the show, and 
want to give everybody, I did that last week, the Tout Wars salute and the tribute. So well done. Keep up the good work. And thank you for sharing that inside knowledge, Jeff, because it's, I have so much, so many questions about how, yeah, Tout Wars and how it gets done. But that's not what this whole show is about. We got a lot to cover, so we want to move forward. Of course, you can follow Jeff on Twitter anytime if you like. Isn't that true, Jeff? Or do you have a, a paywall for that? Oh, God, no. Uh, at Jeff <laughs> underscore Erickson. Uh, that was a bad joke. That's what that was. So. Yeah, I know. But they are, I mean, they are going to start, that. they're going to have that service apparently. And I just imagine the ego it takes to charge for reading your tweets. I don't know. I, I spew out so much nonsense. I wouldn't want, I feel guilty about charging people for that. Good Lord. Yes, it's, you don't see yourself getting there until one day you are there. And I'm not saying you are, but the people that do get there, one day, mm-hmm. just like, well, you know, hey, I'm, I have that much power now that I can charge for tweets, and those people will do it, and people will pay for it. So, because they're already paying for it anyways through other services. So I understand what Twitter's trying to do by cutting out middle people like Patreon and things of that nature. Sure. This is the Hey, it's Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. And on today's show, we're going to talk with Jeff about spring training, points of emphasis, uh, some league-specific strategies for TGFBI and Raz Slam. They're both, you know, TGFBI's underway. Raz Slam starts next Monday. Yeah, we'll take a look at some more keeper conundrums. Not Dynasty so much, but keepers. A lot of you guys are out there asking for keeper help. So we're going to give it to you. And we'll give you league-specific keeper help as well. Some insane fantasy takes. We'll see what Jeff has to say. Maybe talk about his fantasy foundation. Of course, we'll play Shine or Ride the Pine. And any community chatter, emails, tweets, and whatnot from the gallery. And we want to thank some people. And that's usually where we kick in the Belvedere music. Because, you know, Mr. Belvedere is a good guy. He likes housekeeping. And as we do our housekeeping, you remember Mr. Belvedere, Jack? Of course, I'm old. <laughs> that was redundant. Yes, rhetorical. <laughs> yeah, was he a butler or a housekeeper? How did you view him? Butler. Butler. I always saw him as a housekeeper. But I think we're at like a 90% rate for anybody that was born in the 70s or 80s of knowing Belvedere. I think we've only had one or two guys that were, you know, in their late 20s that have no clue what Belvedere is. Right, exactly. Yeah, well, one of them was Canadian, so that's not his fault. (laughs) Zach, shout out to Zach. Anyways, we want to say thank you to everybody who got us through week one of the Baseball Pods Tournament. And week two is underway, round two. And we'll be on the Thursday edition, I believe. So if you want to vote for us, we're going up against Bubba and Batflip Crazy. That is no easy task. It's going to be a very, very huge challenge for us. We're just, we're grateful to be there. We really are at this point. But if you want to vote for us, you can do that. I want to say thank you to Jason Cuffs. He was on the show last month, and he did great work. Very cool. I like him a lot. Follow him at J-K-U-F-S-S. He donated recently to the show, and that was very kind of him, our first donation. So thank you, Jason. We'll always be indebted to you for supporting the show. We are an independent podcast. Yes, we're part of the Rota Fanatic Podcast Network, but we're also an independent small-time podcast. So we do welcome any donations, and all that information is available in the show notes of each episode. And thank you to everybody in Glarf. You guys are great. Glarf is the Great Lakes Area Roto Fantasy League, which is part of the bigger overall regional leagues like Barf and Nerf and... Maybe there's going to be turf, I hear. I don't know if that's happening or not, but uh, that has started today as well. So I got my hands full with Glarf because we've got some big-time players like Derek Van Riper and Jenny Butler and Derek Rhodes. I mean, these people know fantasy baseball, so going to have a lot, a lot 
of research to continually do. I got two four-hour clocks going on at once with TGFBI and the Glarf. And thank you to Dave from Rotosaurus for making it all happen. Less than Dave. Follow him on Twitter, Dave McDonald. He's a great guy, and he's doing all the work to make it happen, and he did. So shout out to you, Dave. Really appreciate that. All right, there it is. That's the shout-outs. That's the housekeeping. Thank you so much. And also, Potapalooza, Justin did, like we said, Justin and Danielle did great work with Potapalooza, raised about $8,000. That was amazing for Mental Health America. So I was really happy to be a part of that, and I hope that the money is well put to use, and I'm sure it will be. I have no doubt about that. Okay, well, let's get into our first segment of the show with Jeff Erickson. Oh, don't forget, with Pour the Plazo, how can I forget? Plazo Podcast, Plazo Podcast at ProtonMail.com is our email. Plazo Podcast on Twitter, two L's, two Z's. Utah, give and me you two. you can send us anything, queries about redrafts, dynasty, points leagues, head-to-head leagues, whatever's on your mind, we're here to serve you. If you want to just ask us about something on the show, how we do things, you can send that as well. Plazo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. Now we will begin leading off... In leading off here today with Jeff Erickson, Deary and I want to talk about spring training points of emphasis. Uh, spring training notes, you know, uh, other shows can do that, and it's only one day. We're on the second day of spring training. I don't think there's a lot to report. But if there is something you want to say, Jeff, about what you've seen so far, you're welcome to say it. I, I assume it's kind of minimal right now. No, it's just background right now. It's just great to have it. It's it's great to see ball players, hear fans in the stands, all that sort of good stuff. Uh, no, I, there's not. My, my thing is just like see how players are being used over the course of spring training, guys coming back from injuries. You know, and maybe you look at like Christian Yelich. Is he running? Um is he striking out a lot still? I mean, that, that is, that, that's the other thing. Uh, you know, in the past, uh, one of our writers, Eric Segris, has always pointed out, you know, pay attention to the Ks, the walks. That that Those are things that can carry over to the regular season, especially from the hitting standpoint. If a guy is striking out a ton in spring training, well, he's probably going to strike out in the regular season early on too. Ks and walks, that's a good foundation to build upon. That goes for both sides. I dig that. I mm-hmm. also love seeing Yoan Mankata steal a base, so that's my only <laughs> yeah. highlight. Only highlight I really enjoyed, and I like that. That makes me feel good because I fully, fully am buying into Yoan Mankata having a great 2021. So, 2020 is in the rearview mirror. He's all he's on the all last year's bumps team for sure. Yeah, I was. Uh, I listened to your show, and you guys were talking about like, is that what you guys call it, the old bumps team, like guys who? <laughs> so. It's it something like was, that. <laughs> Gene McCaffrey is the first to coin the, coin the phrase last year's bombs. If you oh, Gene's in it, my TGFBI league, by the way, Jeff. So. Uh, oh, excellent. He uh, every year in his uh, article, his his book, uh, he would always call to call a guy last year's bomb. You know, a guy that has the skill set, basic skill set. Nothing has changed about him. He just had a bad year. Great investment. Usually, we all get we always preach. Don't get caught up in recency bias. And then we turn around and you know put Alex Bregman at pick fifty, and we put Andy Randy or Rosarena ahead of him. We do it. I do it. I, I'm guilty of it as just as anybody. I actually wrote an article uh, last night that went up on the site this morning, where I just did went through like a whole simulated draft of okay, who you know using the 2020 rankings. Okay, who would I take here and try to strip out any of the recency bias? And of course, Yelich has to be your first round pick. And I, I set myself in the middle of the draft too. I put myself at one seven two six whatever, and tried to look at like. Uh, our, our consensus rankings, 
a draft that I did plus this year's ADP to come see if it's realistic to build that build that way and try to build a team that way. Interesting. I never called it that, but that's exactly how I draft. I take a guy like Yohan Makata. He's got COVID. Who knows? Also, right. it was a short season as well, so it's a small sample size. So I don't care about that. That's our small sample size siren, and I don't care about that. I just dismiss it because I know I, I've seen this guy in person. I've seen him in Charleston, South Carolina on a hot, soaking hot day in the dead of summer down there in 2015. And he was bigger than everybody of these shoulders. And it's just pure talent. The guy was ahead of everybody then. And I still believe he will be one of the elite players in this league. So I yeah, he's also got the track record of having a really nice 2019. So it's like, right. you know, I mean, anyone who's played baseball or anyone who has played fantasy for years, there's always that lull of six to seven weeks where a guy's just, you know, playing average. But you got to look at, you know, Jeff brought up Christian Yelich. Look at what he's done in the last six, seven years. He's a top right. fantasy value, but he's going second round right now based on what? I think that's going to get, well, it's based on the strikeouts. I mean, there is a real thing to point at with Christian Yelich. He went from 20% to 30%. That's a huge jump. Now, is it sustainable? Is it something that uh, would have lasted over a whole season? And we saw that he swung less, but he did make hard contact whenever he did swing. Uh, he was lost when he started the season, one for 27 with 12 Ks. I mean, you can say, okay, t throw out that. He still struck out a lot, but not nearly that bad. Uh, that's, that's a guy I'm going to watch, but yeah, he's already creeping up. I've seen him getting taken like eighth, ninth a few times. If he get if he's raking in spring training, he's going to go third, fourth, fifth again. <laughs> yes, he is, Jeff. See, Jeff knows what he's talking about. That's why we have Jeff Erickson on here from Rotowire. He's a wise man. Uh, Jeff, you're also uh, on the radio too, though, right? Like you guys... Can you explain the radio part real quick? Because I don't have satellite yeah. radio, so I don't get access to that. So I'm on Sirius XM Fantasy. Uh, we've been on since the channel started, and I was on MLB Network Radio before that for about four, five, uh, three, four years before that. So I've been doing radio for about 13, 14 years, despite being a poli-sci major in college, having no radio background whatsoever. I just... <laughs> They, they did a deal with Rotowire. Like, okay, Jeff, you should probably be the guy doing it. And List, Chris List is the other guy. But we're on uh, – Rotowire's got a spot every day. Uh, I do Monday through Thursday from uh, 12 to 2 Eastern time. And I do the Sunday show with Todd Zola. Uh, also, from that one is from 1 to 3 Eastern time. Uh, but we always have a spot on one of the one of the, the, the days there. And it's either Clay and James, the days that I'm not there, or Clay and Todd. Yeah, that's so cool. I I hear about it a lot. And I always see these posts about Fantasy Alarm and other shows that have access and get to be on Fantasy Sports Radio on XM and Sirius. That's very cool. I think yeah, that's Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. That's, I, I love radio. I love radio so much. If radio's done, uh, no offense to you. I mean, satellite radio can stick around, but terrestrial radio's done. It's, it's, it's hurting. Part of, it's hurting it's really very hurting. badly. It's, and my, our guy Richard Sands, who's a big fan of the show. Shout out to Richard, by the way. Um, he's, in the, he's in the Palazzo Podcast Invitational. He is. That's right. Yeah. He is. Uh, he still believes he, he writes a weekly breakdown about radio and the state of radio and more focused on alternative music okay. and alternative radio stations. It's very cool. So it, it's all about like, oh, if we could just get back to this. Can we just get back to that? And it's hard to go back sometimes. So. <laughs> right. Oh, well. Anywho, we're talking spring training. So I want to know what Jeff thinks about the dead and ball and the DH. I've been saying this for a little bit now. These are two of the huge themes of 2021. What's going to happen with this ball? What do we know about the ball, and will the DH still come into play? So let's start with the ball first. How are you approaching the deadened ball, a 5% possible reduction in flight 
uh, on this day, March 1st, first day of the month. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I question what sort of accuracy accuracy they have in trying to reduce it. 5%, it could be 30, it could be 1, you know, and I think that's some of the problem. And I don't trust MLB to tell us the truth. They they, they basically <laughs> sent this memo that got leaked to, to uh, Ken Rosenthal and Eno Saris, and they're great reporters, and Eno really knows the subject. But uh, there was a report by SI that was about to come out that same week. I had Sarah Sanchez on, uh, and she was she's connected with the reporter, Meredith, uh, and Forgive me, I forget her last name, and I really should know this better. But uh, they had okay. they had the goods. She's been doing all this research on the ball. Had gotten samples from multiple parks, multiple years. It had you know cracked their system on how like they're coding the ball, like you know what the serial number means and what year it's from and where it was made and all that. And had proof that it was significantly a different ball. It was more lively. The core was different. And they were going to come out with this article. So MLB got out in front of it and said, yes, we're working the dead in the ball. It's the first time they ever had admitted that they were actually doing something to the ball. Their, yes. their holding company owns Rawlings. We know that they have the control over it if they want it. And now it's clear that they have been messing with it all along. I like the livelier baseball. I, I would have preferred they leave it as it is. But we're going to have to react again. It's going to be a little bit different. We just don't know to what year to, to kind of compare it to yet. So we're comp- I believe everything that has been reported, just like you said, it's been verified and we know MLB is a nefarious organization. They are, they just mm-hmm. have, they've made it that way. I didn't ask for it to be that way. I'm just reacting to what they do right. and how they keep secrets. And they try to say, eh, everything's cool, but it, when it's not, and you, you lose integrity with me when that happens. So I, I honestly am like not taking the ball too seriously right now because I don't want to overreact to it and then make drastic moves where, like, I I don't take some of the elite starters because I think that hitting's going to be reduced overall. So then I'm taking starters later that I feel comfortable in because it might be more pitching balance. Uh, that, that seems very risky to me at, on this date without any information beyond what we know. I haven't I haven't done so either. I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. And I did, like, the, a recent draft. Uh, I did a 12-team online championship one where I went pitcher-pitcher in the second and third round. Uh, in labor, I went, you know, pocket aces. And, uh, you know, I, I still think that's a pretty good strategy, but yeah, if it's, it's, if it's a drastic change, yeah, I'm going to probably be behind the curve. It'll be easier to stream pitchers, be easier to find guys later in the rounds because they're, they're not going to get as punished. Maybe you start looking at guys that have elevated fly ball percentages or even elevated home run percentages. A Matthew Boyd all of a sudden becomes more valuable again. If you want to go local for you guys there and just bring up some nightmares, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, he gets the strikeouts, and his big problem has been home runs. If if he can curb that, and if the ball is the part that curbs that, well then, hey, great. Jeff, do you think it's going to take a full season for us to really understand the deadening of the ball and how it affects certain fantasy players, or do you think certain people, players in the industry, are going to start really freaking out when Jorge Soler is stuck at three home runs come mid June? All right, where someone absolutely crushes a ball and it gets caught on the warning track 37 times in a row. Uh, yeah, it could happen, but here, are they going to tell us when they switch back, if they switch back? Probably not. Especially they got a CBA coming up here, a big negotiation, which they're already at pretty severe odds with. And we haven't had a work stoppage in a really long time, too. Uh, it's been a, players mostly have given the owners what they wanted until recently, until last summer, when they really started pushing back for the first time because their livelihoods finally been changed a little bit. Teams are, you know, negotiating different than they ever have before. They're starting to get a collective voice. 
I think we're gearing up for some nasty stuff here in terms of the negotiation. Anyhow, I'm kind of getting off uh, far field. I tend to do that. But uh, I think that it's going, if tying it back together a little bit, I, I don't think they're going to tell anybody anything unless they get their forced to. I, I really think we're going to be behind the curve as we usually are. And if they bring in a new batch of balls in July, we're not going to know. If they if they overcorrect to their correction, it's we'll find out in September after it's too late. Yep, I would stay tuned. Keep very, very tight, tight peepers on what's going on with ball flight data as much as you can. Stay tuned to that. And if you notice big, big changes right off the bat, I'm talking, you know, give it a, a week or two because not one game or one day of games will give you everything you need to know. But it's very important that you guys keep track of that. I have never been more certain of anything in my life than the fact that there's going to be a work stoppage with this CBA. It's so very clear. It was always clear. I was a fool to start up a website or get involved in running a website. It's about fantasy baseball, in my opinion, last year. When I knew this CBA was coming, I always thought in the back of my mind, like, well, baseball is just going to get hurt more. It's just going to be a bigger dent in the armor of the overall baseball lore and the people who love it will kind of stay most likely because they're great. We're diehards. We're psychos about it. It's just how we do it. But more casual people will fade away. And I, I am very, very concerned. This is not a show about the state of the game, but when you bring up that CBA, I am terrified. I know it's going to be a war, an all-out war. And I don't use that term loosely. Like, the people are pissed and bitter, and there's a lot that is built up. You talk about, like, your arteries filling up with plaque over the years. There's a massive buildup going on between both of these, and their arteries are filled to the gills. There's going to be a massive blockage and stoppage soon, and it sucks. But I would be shocked. I would be very shocked if it didn't happen. Yeah, they're nowhere close right now. And, yeah. uh, you know, my first fantasy league was 1994. So that was fun. Uh, but uh, thankfully, I wasn't in, bus- in the business then. Uh, but you How know, did you guys it, call the winner? You just, when it stopped on August 12th, they're like, oh, yeah, that's well, it. the thing is, we thought, well, they're going to, they're going to, there's no way they'll cancel the World Series. There's no way they won't come back. They'll, you know, they'll go on strike for a couple weeks and that'll force them to come to the tape. No, no, it didn't happen. Yep. Um, and then you realize, and that's when you realize with this, this ownership group, anything was possible. And, I, I put the onus on the owners. If you can't read between those lines, and I'm sure you can. Oh, uh, but uh, and I, I firmly believe that's the case now. Uh, I mean, they, they've already restructured the minor leagues to their liking, to the way they want it. I mean, they, they, they're they used to getting what they want. And if they don't get it, they're just going to lock the players out. Yep. It's that simple. They don't give a shit. And that's just how they do things. They have a specific situation, and they always look at a bottom line. It's not about the history of the game. A lot of these people are detached from all that stuff. We, you know, we yeah. think about it from a certain angle. They don't look at it like that. So don't think that there's this like, oh, historic angle. That went out the window in 94 and will only continue to be more degraded as time goes on. Uh, so does that mean then the DH, are you still holding out hope? Or based on what you're telling me, I would assume you're a guy who's not going to be assuming there's a DH in the National League this year. I was until about a week ago, and I, I finally gave up the ghost. I mean, there, there's maybe like a 2 or 3% chance because the owners, they really want those expanded playoffs. But they have to offer more than the DH. That's the thing. And the players finally for once realize we're giving, a, you know, we're giving away the store for 15 extra jobs. And, you know, that's because they've already signed a contract. They're doing ad deals based on these expanded playoffs. We had it last year. They want that genie to not go back in the bottle. So that's my hope is that that's going to force them to come to a better offer. But it's tied to the greater overall issue. And, you know, the, the players know that. They're not dumb. Uh, I think they have better leadership than they've had in the past. Uh, and I think that's why we're not going to see it. Actually, it's because the players see the long view. 
So I changed a lot of pitcher NL pitcher projections last week uh, and improved a lot of NL pitchers as a result of that. And of course, cut some playing time for NL hitters and a couple of ALDHs because Nelson Cruz isn't going to play the field in interleague games anymore because there's no, you know, because there's no NLDH. Same thing. JD Martinez gets hurt by that. All the ALDHs, you have to downgrade just a little bit. Mm, mm, mm. So true, man. I'm buying into what you're selling, Jeff. Jeff Erickson's with us. He's a smart guy. You're listening to the Heads Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast with Deary and Govier. We're talking about spring training points of emphasis, and these are the big two I wanted to cover. Let's talk about some league-specific strategies. With TTFBI being underway, it's a roto league. It's a two-catcher, 15-team roto league, but it does have an overall component because there's 29 different leagues, and it's basically filled with people who call themselves analysts in some fashion or... They've also won a few spots here and there. So it's a lot of people. 435, I think, are involved. It's like the size of the House of Representatives almost. And I'm wondering what you think is the best strategy or do you have a preferred strategy? Because we want to give people tips for their Roto Leagues overall too. What is the what is the way you like to look at a 15-team, two-catcher Roto League with an overall component? I mean, it's similar to the, it's the exact same specs as the NFPC main event. Um I think you need to get pitching early. Uh, I really do. Uh, even with the dead and ball, we talked about that earlier. I know the thing is I drafted second in my draft. Uh, and so I start, you know, I'm starting with Acuna and I don't pick again until pick 29. So I'm kind of curious to see what pitcher is going to come to me. Maybe Gallen, to, maybe Kershaw. Kershaw, uh, Zach. I'm, I'm all about Zach Gallen. If I go Kershaw Gallen, that's a good day for me. Uh, if I get those next two in my next two picks, uh, I'm kind of shying away from Flaherty. I'm kind of, you know, we're and now we're talking specific players instead of general strategy. But, you know, I like a couple of those guys there. Uh, and I, I do think that, uh, you know, you know, you should be talking, first of all, you should be talking to Todd Zola or Clay Link because they both won the overall uh, and I have not. But and yeah, the, the thing, that's true. I'm, I'm like Cliff Clavin. People have not been in my kitchen here, but, uh, you know, it's, it's OK. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, I'm so sorry, so sorry, man. You're gonna get there, Jeff. This could be your year. I'm telling you. Could be, could be. One, I'm one. I've got a one in 435 chance. Uh, but uh, <laughs> say, say, I got a chance. But uh, I, I think that. Uh, I mean, it's it's all about balance. I mean, it, punting strategies don't really work well in an overall contest. I think if you can win your league, it makes it really difficult to compete in the overall. So I'm I'm not gonna be taking too uh, radical of a course in terms of like closers or stolen bases as much as I'd love to. My standalone leagues, my old ale only home league that we play, it's even four by four and I still punt saves every year and it still works. Uh, but, you know, in, in an overall contest, it just doesn't work as well. Saves coming in the leagues, but there, there's 14 other people in your league that are also bidding on those guys too. Jeff, when you think of Kentucky Derby style and you get to kind of get a preference of what pick you might want, do you gear more towards the end of the first round or do you want to be slapped at in the middle or do you like you know having one of those top three or four picks for myself i kind of kick those first five picks up down the road and i'd like to be closer to the end of the first round so i can get a pitcher hitter or go pocket aces if that's a possibility sure does that play into you know how you might strategize it does uh Although it's funny for TGFBI, I wanted an early pick in part because I have not had a draft with an early pick this year. And I was like, screw it. I want one. I want one chance to kind of see my build from there a little bit. Uh, but and I could do that in a best ball. And I know you got a question about mock drafts later. So we'll talk about that then. But uh, I like smack dab in the middle. I, I like being able to not get caught up in the runs. Uh, I like that. You know, if I'm on an end and I decide at the five, six turn, I'm not taking that closer. 
I don't have to wait 25 picks to see all my eight, all eight of my targets gone by the time I'm back there, back there again. I like being a, I, I definitely like being in the middle. He's in the middle. I like being on the end too. It's always been my thing this year. I just kind of got comfortable on the turn. And once I got comfortable in a spot and I really knew what I wanted to do and what I could expect to be there generally, I like to stick with it. Uh, but if things had changed, then I would have had to adjust it and put more work and make sure wherever you're drafting, you try to do a mock draft or two. Even if you don't believe in mock drafts, get a sense of what's going to be there, who's going to be there, so you can formulate mm -hmm. a strategy prior to the draft beginning. I think that's very important. I do. In two-catcher leagues, uh, Jeff, some people like to get two catchers they can really count on, and they think it gives them an edge, like taking a Will Smith and a, uh, a Salvador Perez. People say, hey, I got the advantage now in two-catcher leagues. Do you find that to be true, or is that more of a myth because there's still catchers down deep in the draft that can give you opportunities, or you can pick somebody up in fab later it's always about the opportunity cost right i mean when you take two catchers early on you're you're costing yourselves really good players uh whereas later in the draft i mean the, the cost isn't nearly as high but it's funny uh my colleague fred zinke who won both tout wars nl and mixed labor last year he's an early catcher guy and he dealt he did he did two catchers this year and it's worked for him i mean i i think you just have to realize what you're getting into and have a plan i mean and you got to get lucky too. You go early catches, but you got to get lucky with closers. You got to get lucky with pitchers in terms of them staying on the field, staying healthy. Uh, if you, I don't love it as much this year because of the lack of DH in the National League. With Will Smith, he's going to get fewer plate appearances now because he would DH otherwise. Austin Barnes is still going to catch a lot. He's going to catch Kershaw every single time, uh, and he's probably going to play a few other times. So those, you know, when we saw in the World Series where Will Smith was the DH batting cleanup just not going to get that as much uh we're just get, he's going to miss some starts because of that same thing is probably true with a couple of the other early nl catchers you know Sa salvador perez isn't going to get hurt by that obviously uh you would think grandall doesn't get hurt by that yeah, but james mccann might you know other nl catchers might just a little bit do you load up or are you willing to load up on full-on staffs like a Dodger staff? If you took the whole Dodger staff, you might not be sitting so badly. You know, I mean, yeah, or, good, luck, uh, look, good luck being able to afford all of them. But yeah, uh, of course, that's a great idea. You know, you, you back organizations, ballparks, uh, if they're if they're good pitchers and the, and the Dodgers ones, of course, is the obvious example. Yeah, I'd love to have a, a few of them. You know, the Dodgers drive you crazy sometimes with their usage. You know, you may get a, oh, we decided to scratch and put on the 10-day L. They announced that on a Tuesday when he's about to start, and then you miss a whole week. That sort of thing happens sometimes with them. It does. But, you know, and the thing is they're so deep. I mean, they have seven guys that are going in the top 200, you know, two, 225 to 250 now uh, following the Bauer, the Bauer signing. But, uh, you know, Dustin May, Tony Gonsolin, that's actually a buying opportunity with these guys because they're going to get 15 to 20 starts probably still. Uh, and Gonsolin's almost free now. He's almost going down closer to 5,300. So he's a guy, he, he's proven that he can strike out big league hitters. It's just a pat, you have to have the excruciating patience to roster him and being able to use him and keep him active for those moments when they use him too. Will you relay that with like bullpens when it comes to a draft champions where you have a 50 round draft will you do that with like the padres or the Rays bullpens we're going to grab two or three guys from that bullpen especially when there's the uncertainty of who's going to be the closer i think with the padres yes the rays no because the rays are going to switch every week whereas the padres they're probably just trying to figure out who it's going to be 
Uh, and I don't want to have to start both of them in a given week to try to get two players for one, one spot's worth of saves. Uh, even though they will win a lot of games, that kind of makes up a little bit of that stagger. But job battles I'm not afraid of, committees I am afraid of. Uh, so I will go after the Cardinals or the Reds or the Padres. I'm less inclined to play the sticker price for multiple Rays. I, what I might do is just take a shot on Diego Castillo, or I might just take a shot on Pete Fairbanks and hope that, okay, I've got him and I can use him in tough weeks, but I'm not going to try to use all of them because I don't want to have all of them active at the same time. Yeah, that's I mean that's probably the hardest part of it is who do I activate for that week when you have three of them and you have no idea who's going to be the closers and you have no idea what kind of usage they're going to get in that week. Plus, you do get very little discount on Nick Anderson too. You have to pay pretty close to sticker price on him. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. I've seen him fall. This is you're not wrong, but I've seen him fall in a few drafts over the last two weeks. And I'm willing to take him at a certain points when he starts falling around 150, 175, 200. 200 was crazy. That was rare. Wow. But see, I I just haven't seen that. But you know what? Yeah, I, I'm on board with that. I mean, he's a great pitcher. The ratios are awesome. But it's just yes. You just you know, I've been seeing him go in the first 10 rounds, and I just yeah. can't get there on that. But uh, that that that's it's a big difference. You're right about that. Well, hey, that's what you got to keep your eyes peeled and focused in. Do not let up. When you're putting yourself on the line in these pride leagues, you know, TGFBI is about pride. It is about saying, hey, I'm. Know what I'm talking about? I'm going up some of the best of the best here, and when you do that, you're you're putting yourself out there. Now, when it's money, I feel like there's a difference because people are putting their own cash on the line. They even take it more seriously because TGFBI's had a tendency for people to kind of wane when they feel like they're falling out of it, which I don't think is cool. I've always wanted to play until the bitter end when I'm right. of sound mind. Uh, do you think there's a difference between leagues where there's like big money? Versus these leagues where the pride's on the line. I mean, you're public too. Everybody, is there more pressure with either one or is it all the same to you? No, it's not the same. I mean, there's definitely more pressure when you have your own skin in the game. And, you know, you were going to ask me for a rant at the end, but I'll just throw it in now a little bit. You had Mike the Mouth on and I love Mike. He's been nothing but generous to me as interpersonally. He's a, he's a great guy. He's super entertaining and funny. But the whole rag on industry league thing gets a little old as far as I'm concerned. I'll tell you why. You know, I love the NFPC. Greg and Tom do it, run a great game. I've met so many awesome people. Scott Jensen and I become great friends because of the NFBC. And I do believe that is one way to prove yourself in the prove yourself in the arena or whatever. And I think that's important to have skin in the game. I I we do get an entry to the main event because of our deal with them, but I also buy in a second entry. I believe in the product, I believe in what they do, and I believe in the challenge. There's lots of different ways to play this game, though. And not it's money isn't always the the, the strong denominator. And TGFBI, has there been instances of people quitting on teams? Sure. And have there been home leagues where people quit on teams? Sure, it happens. Uh, but trading is important in home leagues. Dynasty leagues are important. You have to have trading in a dynasty league. You can't have a dynasty league without trading. Just can't. Um, and those are part of our, our game, too, are part of our community. And I just, there's a lot of people that have done a lot of good work to contribute to people doing well in their fantasy leagues. And just because they don't have to play in an NFBC, doesn't make them a lesser analyst in my mind. I think it's important to challenge yourself. I'm, I love what they do, but I really think it's important to realize a lot of con great contributions are being made. And just because they don't play this one specific contest doesn't make them a lesser person or a lesser analyst. I think it's I, every year we get into this whole, the, the so-called expert uh, threads on Twitter. I just wish it would calm down just a little bit. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. 
Preach. I love it. Thank you, Jeff. That was exactly what we're looking for. The intensity, the passion, the desire. Yeah. Thank you. I do appreciate that. And hey, Mike the Mouth, you're a fraud. Everyone knows it. There you go. <laughs> All right. This is the Hey, it's a Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Uh, thank you for listening to the show. We're talking live with Jeff Erickson. We've been having some good times talking about fantasy baseball. Now we're going to have some more fun because we're going to get into Enrico's Inquisition. It's a real simple situation. We just like to ask Jeff things that are generally, generally not baseball related, but we'll probably still throw a couple baseball things in the mix. Uh, what do you say, Jeff? Should we do it? Let's do it. Boom. Would you prefer to deal with a manipulative person or a callous person? Wow, this is deep. Deep into my psyche. Alan Trammell or Lou Whitaker? Oh, I knew you were going to hit me with that. The 1988 Dodgers or the 2020 Dodgers? Oh, the 1988, by far. It was the happiest moment like of my sports life. That was my first gut moment. Oh, oh Nelly, get ready for some doozies. Because it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show, Enrico's Inquisition. <laughs> Okie dokie. That's right. We got some comments here from Rotogut. Hear, hear, Jeff. Although he typed in the hearing. Here. He, 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 or is it he just corrected himself. Yes, I don't know. I think it is Which is it? Hear, hear. I really don't know, I guess. I, never... I, think, it's, I think he was right the first time. It's like, I hear you, I think is what he's trying yeah, to do. Yeah, you're right. That's how that I always sense. thought of it as, but I don't know. Mike, you're the former history teacher. How far back does this go? Back to the colonial days? I don't have a, I'm not a linguist either. And, uh, but you are here. It's like you're here for that. So here, here, I'm here for you. It's, that's, that's true complicated. also. We'll accept both, Vlad. <laughs> either way, Vlad, thank you for your support. And Jeff, not a shock that Vlad's on your side. Not a shock. Yeah, I Nothing like that he was... One of the guys that you is caught in that promo for this segment, too, that you had him on there, too, earlier. Yeah, it is. That was him. We just uh, updated that one recently. Uh, nice. Vlad says he's read it as both, and he's looked this up before. So there you go. Thank you, Vlad, for clarifying the here, here. This is what everybody came to the show for to find out what does here, here mean. We're still wondering. Thank you. All right. We're here to talk about some silly stuff with Jeff Erickson. And it's real simple. I'll just ask you some stuff, and you respond as you like. So... Uh, first one is, uh, who's a better fantasy player, Todd Zola or Vlad Sedler? Man, putting me on the spot already. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. It's, it's not cool. I admit freely it's uncool to do this. Vlad is the better NFBC player. I think Todd has more range. Ooh, that was a solid response. Way to get out of it. Well done. That Thank is you. what we call wiggle room, folks, right there. <laughs> nice, nice now, we, now we wait for Vlad to, to respond. <laughs> yeah. They're both yeah, awesome but, players. Yeah, yeah, we I all mean, love uh, each other in this industry. So, yeah. Not everybody loves everybody, but most everybody does. Yeah, I would say 8 out of 10. Nothing but love. No doubt about it. And as someone who's been, me and Deary have been doing this for a little over a year now, you know, we're newcomers in a sense, so we have a sense of what people are like. And you've been around forever, so you've seen it ten times over what we've seen. And Vlad has been really, really cool to the show. We had him on a few weeks back, and he's been very supportive of us. So thank you, Vlad. I want to give you a shout-out for that because that means something to us. I don't take that out. Uh, Todd Zola is a guy I'd love to meet still, and hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to Todd. That's why, uh, once again, it sucks that these, you know, first pitch things don't happen. I would love to be a part of those. And mm-hmm. I'm hoping there is a time again where we can all convene and then I can meet you in person at one of those events. It would be really cool. 
come out to the fir- uh, first pitch Arizona if we have the fall league this year. It is an amazing event, and there's a lot of hangout time there too at games, playing poker at night, uh, just in between uh, you know, sessions, all sorts of. It's amazing uh, how big that has grown and how many people in the industry do this. So I'd highly recommend that. Yeah, that's the one I really want to go to as well because I've always wanted to go to the Arizona Fall League and see it in person because mm-hmm. you can also gain some perspective from what's going on with the players and then meet people at the same time. It's just a win-win. Right. So many positives to that. All right, so I asked that one. Well, we move forward from that. Uh, do you prefer live-action films or animated films? I think I prefer live-action films. It's close. I mean, I love the Pixar movies. Uh, you know, you have kids, you love Pixar movies, but they, they apply to adults too. That's the funny thing. Uh, but I, I live action. That's how they get, that's how they stay in the biz, Pixar, and they know what they're doing. They start yeah. making movies that are animated for kids, but also there's just enough adult content and like an overall kind of existentialism in there that's like, oh, wow. Like, you know, hey, kinda... let's, let's, let's go watch this again. Let's go see Finding Nemo one more time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> What well, I, I think we, I think we all grew up in an era where there was very few animated films. So when I'm seven years old, I'm watching Coming to America. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm older than you, so I assume. Uh, and yeah, yeah, when yeah, all, all that started when uh, Toy Story was Toy Story was there, and like, what? This, this is I can watch this, and it's not like it's not for little kids. I mean, there's always been cartoons. There's always been like, oh, that's just another Disney princess one. No, no, it's not. Just give it a chance. Look at it; it's a lot better. I think I think Aladdin really changed the game because Aladdin, like Robin Williams, was hilarious in that. That was for everybody. I still mm-hmm. laugh at that movie; it's still funny. Like his performance is elite, and I think then Toy Story came out a couple years after that. So I wonder if that kind of changed the game. But who's to say? That's hey, we're talking animated films here on the Hayes Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Um, that's always a good one. Uh, we always ask this one: sliders or curveballs, Jeff? Sliders. That's a clear-cut answer. You clearly, you don't have any debate. I like that. I, I, I mean, you, you ask an opinion, I have to give you an answer here. Uh, I, I waffled earlier. I had to come up with something here, but I'll say sliders. Uh, I think curveballs just, I, I think a hanging curveball is too much. I mean, the elite curveballs are amazing. They're super fun to watch, but I think that there's more room for error. There definitely is. I, I've always thought that about curveballs, they could be tattooed a little bit more. Maybe... I've never hit a slider in real life, so I'll never know for sure. But uh, in the end, I feel like a curveball, if it just drops in there really simple, like it doesn't have a lot of break to you, you can really crush that more often than not. Although I did say, Deary's heard me say this before, I was terrified of a curveball that came at me once. But uh, it was just a curveball coming at my head, but it ended up right in the strike zone. It's so amazing. It's fascinating. Yeah. The one thing I know about pitching is I couldn't hit it. I mean, there's a reason why I stopped playing when I was about 15 or 16. So, And I was was a crafty left-hander. I pitched some, too. But I was crafty as a kid because I didn't have a fastball, Uh, you know, and yet yet couldn't generate much of a a break in my breaking pitches. It was kind of a conundrum. That's why I moved to tennis. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Uh, Lethal weapon or die hard? Die hard. Is Lethal Weapon 2 better than Lethal Weapon 1? Yes. Yes, oh. it is. That, How about that, dude? That was Joe Pesci the first time. Lethal Weapon 2, right? That was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, okay, that, okay, 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 okay. Exactly. Yes. Leo uh, I learned about the drive-thru there. I mean, you got, you, <laughs> right then and there. I mean, yeah, I love that. That was that was a great installment. of Both series went too long. 
Yes, they did. That's what Hollywood does, though. You know, they just well, they're still they're still pumping out those diehards. I think the most recent one was just a few years ago. They haven't done a Lethal Weapon in a long time. I, th- I think they're due for a reboot. I wonder why. Well, yeah, I mean, well, they're due for a reboot. Mel Gibson's so, there so and... relatable these days, I hear. <laughs> <laughs> it's always sunny. Took the mantle, though. They kept Lethal Weapon going. So That's true. You know, the TV show kind of took the reins of the Lethal <laughs> Weapon series. It was a different twist, that's for sure. But, you know, that's just me. Uh, you prefer Frasier or Cheers? Cheers. Uh, okay. Go, people, go original on that one. People love Fraser. The people that do love Fraser are very, they will ride or die for Fraser. But Cheers wouldn't, there wouldn't be a Fraser without Cheers, like you said. I think that's an important aspect that people should not forget about. Um, are you a Batman or a Superman guy? As in the movie, quality of movies or as in who is the better superhero? Any context you want, sure, you know. Better superhero. superhero is Superman, and I think that's obvious. That the, the, the notion that Batman could somehow defeat Superman is just fraudulent, and that should never have been made. That movie was just terrible. Uh, some of the the Batman origin movies were really good, though. Uh, and so I'd say the Batman movies were probably better. Uh, what is the best baseball stadium you've ever been to? Baseball arena, baseball field. Oh, man. I Well, I have pro- – you know, I, I – Probably would still have to say uh, Wrigley. I mean, I've been, I used to live four blocks from Wrigley. So I used to, I went to a lot of games there. Fenway is amazing. Seattle, really nice. Really, 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 really nice. Petco's awesome. You know, I've, I've been to about 20 stadiums. So uh, there's a lot that kind of can make the cut there. But I've never been to Pittsburgh and I really want to go to that one. That's the one I haven't made that everybody raves about. <laughs> Looks awesome on TV. Unfortunately, the product on the field is so terrible. Uh, that that detracts from it just a little bit there, but and I'm a Reds fan and I haven't been to Reds new stadium. It's not even new anymore. But no way. <laughs> Have you been to really? Detroit, Jeff? Uh, no, I haven't been to. I've been to Old Tiger Stadium, yeah. <laughs> but not Comerica. You know, my mom used to live, like I said, my mom used to live in Detroit, and I, summers we used to go up there. Uh, yeah, Detroit's changed a lot since she lived there too. Detroit's changed in many different facets in many different eras. It changes yep. all the time. Right now, uh, downtown Detroit's actually a lot of fun. The rest of the city's suffering. But the downtown area, you know, they've definitely taken pains to make it more accessible and open. And kind of, you could go to a Lions and a Tigers game in the same day. They're right next to each other. You can go yeah. to the Red Wings game right up the street and see the Pistons. Now, they're all in Detroit again, which is, was a lot. That was most of my life, that was never the case. Yeah, I forgot that, uh, you know, the palace, they're not using the palace anymore. Um, yeah, it's, it's just it's, a bit. <laughs> It's it's gone. My brother lives right down the street and driving by it. It's it nothing it's is there anymore. It's just it's rubble. Gone. Yeah, it's twenty gone. years they, gone. <laughs> they took a long time and they didn't really fully did they fully implode the silver dome yet? Or is it still like this like like empty mall? Basically? Didn't they try to blow it up and then it, it like wouldn't blow up? Right. I don't go to Pontiac. Yeah, I don't go to Pontiac very often. I will admit that. But I would have to check in on that. Uh, yes. it's probably just a big ass empty lot over there now. But the palace was yeah, you know, it started in 88, 89, and then it's done. I mean, it was still a very nice place. I saw some concerts there as recently as five years ago, and it was a great yeah. place for. Yeah, they had luxury boxes there. They were like, they they purposely like, okay, this is we're moving this over so we can get this brand new, beautiful arena. They started this trend where now arenas last twenty years. I mean, or baseball stadiums. Like Atlanta, yes. it's just ludicrous. It's a it it's is. a nice ballpark, by the way. I, I, that's one I like. Uh, I think it's Truist now or whatever the hell it's called, but. Um, 
you know, I went to the old one, the one they built for the Olympics. That was a nice thing. They just didn't like the neighborhood that it was in. Uh, you know, Texas, my God, it's across the street and they had to buy it, build a brand new ballpark. And that was 20, 25 years. Yeah, at least Detroit makes a little more sense because they wanted to get all teams downtown. Yeah. And at least for us, I'm glad that like, you know, the Pistons moved downtown because it's a lot shorter ride for me to That's Detroit right. than it was, you know, the suburbs of Southeast Michigan. There it's you such go. a scam. It's such a damn scam, man. It's all they ever do is they take advantage of the tax coffers, and that's what it's all about in the end. That's yep. why I don't respect owners either, because most of them are doing the same thing. It doesn't. It's, all right. This is not about you know politics and taxes and local situations. Municipalities. We're talking tax municipalities and politicians and how to get the most out of them every year. Because we've had three ballparks in Atlanta in our lifetime already. In my lifetime, that's stupid. That should never happen. Yeah, you got yeah. Fulton County Stadium, whatever the hell, Truist Park, and Turner Field. And that was... Yeah. Yeah, so the I Turner think Field was nice. It was a it was. very nice ballpark. Still is. I think that's still being used by like local colleges and the like, but still. Yeah. At least that's that's better. I mean, Tiger Stadium, was. it took like 20 years to finally demolish it. <laughs> it was a long yeah. process of getting that done. But Comerica really is... It's a, it's a lovely stadium and lovely field, a lovely little area with a nice skyline. I, I would recommend checking it out, even though Comerica is no longer a local company to Detroit anymore. Uh, okay, a couple more, then we'll move on. Uh, who is your favorite player on the 95 Northwestern Wildcats? Uh, that would have to be Darnell Autry, uh, followed oh, by Dwayne back. Bates. Actually, go, I actually t- scratch it. Give me Dwayne Bates. I mean, I love them both, but, you know, that whole team, I, I just so much gratitude for it. such a wild ride so much fun uh bates was the unusual pro prospect at northwestern i mean especially in 1995 mind you and i we went 0 and 11 my freshman year in college so just keep that as a, as a marking point there we had uh maybe eight wins my four years combined and then two years later we're, we're competing for a bowl game and it's pretty insane uh but bates i love bates well, they have still gone to more college football, uh, Big Ten title games than Michigan has. Michigan still hasn't been there, so I know we've been. To Northwestern's now. doing just fine. Yeah, <sighs> so true, man. Yeah, you guys. Pat Fitzgerald is. You think Pat Fitzgerald will ever coach the Bears? I think that would be the one franchise in all of football that he would listen to, uh, and that's the only place he'd ever leave Northwestern to go to. Because I think he grew up a Bears fan. He grew up in the area. You know, obviously he's a Northwestern alum. I loved, I loved Fitz. But you know, he refused to even take interviews to other big colleges. Unlike Gary Barnett, who, by the way, that's his right. And he, I'm glad, I'm glad he got his and all that. But it was frustrating when he left. Uh, but you know, he, you know, college coaches move on. But Fitz, like when before they hired Harbaugh at Michigan, Michigan was apparently interested in Fitz, and he didn't even take the interview. So um, I, have a, I, re- I respect his loyalty quite a bit. Yeah, he seems to be a genuine guy, the rare, genuine, honest, legit coach in a game that is rife with corruption. Yeah, yeah if he ever leaves, buy what he's selling. If he ever leaves, it'll totally be on his own. He has job security there till the end of time. Absolutely. Uh, what about uh, Randy Walker? That was real tragic, but that was a real bummer what happened there. Oh he was my a good God, coach, yeah. right? He changed, and you guys are Michigan guys. You know the story really well. 54-51 game. I mean, that changed a lot of football. Uh, I mean, that I was in a bar in Manhattan Beach where I had an apartment right before I got married. Uh, and my wife and I, uh, his girlfriend at the time, but we were watching the game in a little TV in the bar. And next thing you know, like there's all these people are surrounding us by the end of the game. As far, you know, it's just the two of us at first paying attention. But that was such a wild game. I loved Anthony Thomas. I, I, I love David Terrell. I mean, they had so many great players on that Michigan team too. 
but the fact that Northwestern could move the ball against Michigan, who had a good defense prior to that game. Uh, I think Michigan was undefeated in the conference at that time. Uh, and it was coming off a shutout. And then, like, the spread works. It's like, oh, my gosh. And it was tragic seeing what, what happened to Randy Walker with a heart attack and just dropping dead. But, uh, I mean, he, he did a lot. I mean, he, he changed. He did a lot to change the game. And uh, he, he borrowed from uh, you know, Rich Rod, actually. And he borrowed a lot from other people. Because football is a game of borrowing. I mean, we oh, have, that's what know, coaching it, is. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of that is. And, you know, it, it just changed the way we play. Now, our defense was hideous that year. We could not, as good as our offense was, as fun as our offense was, Damian Anderson that year and that game in particular was incredible. Our defense couldn't stop anybody either. We just had that lucky fumble where, you know, Atrian was about to go 75 yards for a touchdown, but he kind of reaches out and barely gets a hand just, on the fumble. He just drops it. Yeah. And that was a, yeah. That was a special game. I remember that. I think that was the. It was right after we had beat Michigan State 14 nothing, or maybe a week after that. Yeah, you're right. I think then, you had shut down Drew Brees and Purdue that year also. I mean, it, 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 was, it, was a, it was supposed to be a pretty good Michigan defense, and the fact that we could do that, everyone's like, oh, my God, this is a way to level the playing field. Yeah, back then, back then, defense mattered. You know, it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> it doesn't matter anymore in college football. So Apparently not. That Northwestern oh. team back then, it didn't matter if you are good at defense or not, as long as you can score. It's hard to recruit yeah. defense. Oh, God, I thought 2000 was the year we lost 32 to 31 to Purdue. That was a heartbreaker. I feel like or maybe that was 2001, but either way, I think that was a that was a painful season because all the games were so close. Michigan could have been undefeated, and that Northwestern game was one of them. And yep. I always respect Northwestern, even though they're a hoity-toity academic elite university because they give everything they got. They leave it all on the field, and I respect that, and I always have. And I like their color scheme. I think it's pretty. Oh, thank you. What were the uh, best concert you ever saw? Uh, probably, um, uh, I would say I'm a, they might be giants fan. Uh, so yes. <laughs> I used to live, uh, in downtown Chicago. Well, not downtown, but Lincoln park ish area, uh, Belmont and Sheffield. There's a place called the Vic, uh, and they do it's, they'd have concert venues there and they'd also I know like, the Vic. Yeah, yeah. uh, and I used to live across the street from the Vic and I saw yeah. them play and they played this really long show. It was awesome. And. I had really good, really close up. Just it, it was every, all the all the boxes were checked. Good, good company for that concert. Just that was great. Seen Wilco in Chicago like three or four times. Uh, I haven't been to too many concerts lately, uh, but well, it's, yeah. <laughs> I'm old. I get, see also COVID, have kids. COVID too. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, no, no. Yeah. We're talking like over a decade, but oh, no. okay, okay. Yeah, that's wild. Wow. That's well, my wife's not a big concert fan, and so we just don't go to that many. I understand. You're a family man. I respect that. Something Me like and Deary, Deary has to go see Pearl Jam whenever they go on tour. So uh, <laughs> That's cool. I've been looks to like, Pearl Jam in the last 10 years since Jeff. We're doing Australia next year, so we're going to have to wait to 2023 to see them. But uh, that Rage oh. Against the Machine concert might happen this summer, Mike. They've, they've rescheduled it for June, so maybe we're going to be yeah. going to that. I don't think I would go. No, I'm not going. <laughs> I don't have a vaccine. I'm not going to any concert yet. So just like, just like everyone's trying to get me to... And I appreciate it. People are goading me, and they're like, they're trying to give me money to be a part of the main event this year. And I, mean, I appreciate that. People like want me to be a part of it. That's very cool. Like, hey, I'll give you a hundred bucks towards your main event, and that's cool. But I still don't want to know. I don't know if I want to go there yet. I'd love to go to Vegas. That would be awesome. But I have to wait another year, and I'm just not going to be pressured in anything I don't think I should be doing. Next, appreciate that. It's tough. It's tough. I would love to be there. I really like that. Uh, yeah, concerts are fun. 
I miss them. But that's how life goes. And someday we'll all be at a concert again together, singing and you know, doing this and lighting the lighter, whatever the hell people do. So, All right. Well, finally, for love or for money, Jeff? To do what? Or just... <laughs> counter question i love it jeff's so inquisitive he doesn't just take things at face value i respect that uh, it's just do real I, simple do he, i do i do what i do for love or money or yeah love or money any you know, any you, way you'd like to you could put the context on it however you like i mean i i'm a recovering attorney and i chose to do this instead so i guess i have to say love <laughs> i think that would be a very fair answer yes <laughs> most people yeah that's they, they look at it overall as like a overall philosophy of life. You know, hey, is your motivation money or love? That's generally how most people take the question. I suppose. Yeah, I guess that, yeah, I guess that's, and then, yeah, that's probably the context I should probably answer. Yeah, I'd say for love. Uh, I mean, I, I want to get paid like everybody else. Don't get me wrong. But uh, yeah, I could have probably been a lot more comfortable financially had I, you know, I, I got a, a law degree. I got sworn in, got, but I never practiced full time. And oh. part of it is because I just didn't enjoy it. So you made it. And I didn't have effort. bills. I didn't have a mortgage to pay. I didn't have kids then. So I could. And when, I, when Peter came up with the opportunity to go down this path. Yeah, let's do it. And look where you are now. That's pretty yeah. cool. That's inspiring, yeah, Jeff. It really is, man. I'd like to hear that. Thank you. Thank you. See, you guys, if you really want to make it happen, you also got to. Would you say it's fair? You want to surround yourself with the right people too, right? Yeah. And you have to get lucky too. I mean, you have to, I mean, sometimes, yeah, it's easy to say, surround yourself with the right people. They don't, you have to seek them out sometimes. Sometimes you have to, you know, get lucky with like, oh, we'll take a chance on hiring you and boom, it really worked out really well. Uh, sometimes it doesn't, but uh, no, I'll, I'll say that I, I, I live a very lucky life. Uh, I get to do, write and talk about sports for a living. Um, I, I just a lot of things have gone my way. Let's just put it that way. And the fact is, RotoWire, there's five of us that are like the partners in the company, three of us that started. We're, we're all together. We've none of us have ever left. You know, we've never lost a principal person in our company. And we've been doing this since 97. So yeah, that's that's pretty good. That is incredible. Wow. I could learn a lot from you, Jeff. That is, I really take that to heart. Thank you for sharing that. Very, sure. very, very valuable information, especially for someone in my position. So I appreciate that. I hope you guys all took a little bit from what Jeff Erickson had to say here on the, Hey, it's Rico Palazzo fantasy baseball podcast. Don't forget. You can follow us on Twitter and ask us questions. You can DM us if you want. Palazzo podcast, two L's, two Z's. Utah. Give me podcast at protonmail.com is our email if you prefer that route. And we also have a Facebook page. Check that out. Palazzo Podcast. Once again, two L's, two Z's. Very simple. Palazzo Podcast everywhere. All in your dreams. You're dreaming of Palazzo Podcast. All right, let's get to focus on some fantasy talk here. That's what the show's about. Uh, we're going to start with some keepers here. So I'm going to give some keeper conundrums, and we're going to get some commentary from Jeff Erickson and, of course, Mr. Deary as well. So we're going to start with Roto. So this is a Roto-focused Roto. So get your heads focused in rotisserie style. Get them spinning on the uh, thingy there. What do they call that thing? The the spittle? What's the chicken spin on? You guys know what that is? Nope. I don't know. Chicken spin on? Oh, it's a rotisserie chicken. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, Yeah. Okay. The spittle. I think it's got a name. Anyways, I can't think of it. Spin. 
You're you're under the right track, like spindle or swindle. Yeah, it's something like or, that. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. Hey, if you know what it is, email the show at plausiblepodcast@protonmail.com. Okay, first conundrum is this: very simple. We this guy has four catchers, so this is Roto. Our four catchers, four, <laughs> no, four pitchers. Sorry, so four pitchers can only keep two of these: Luis Castillo, Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, and Kyle Hendricks. Castillo, Burns, Hendricks, and Woodruff. Can only keep two of the four, Roto style. Jeff, what do you think? No uh, cost attached, no draft price difference. They got, they no, that is not. I was. This is apparently this Straight is just keeper, keeper forever. Yeah. Castillo, Woodruff. Um, don't go crazy of it. I think I've actually. I'm kind of. It's kind of funny that all these guys are NL Central guys. Uh, one of my theses for the year is that the central <laughs> pitching is overrated a little bit this year because of the you know the geographical schedule that they faced last year. You look at all the whips; they are all like crazy order of magnitude better than they were previous years. But that, nonetheless, I say I say Castillo Wood uh, Woodruff. Uh, I love I love Hendricks, but I think he just doesn't get the strikeout, so you have to put him a little bit lower. And Burns, I just don't think he gets the innings. So I think he has to be behind those other two. Wow. Okay. That's fascinating. Deary, what do you think? I think I would go Castillo Hendricks just because there's more of a track record with Hendricks. I would agree with Jeff. The strikeouts are not going to be there, but you know, he's going to pitch 180 to 200 innings. He's going to give you double digit wins. We just haven't seen enough from Woodruff and Burns. I like both of them a lot. Probably Woodruff more than Burns, uh, but both those guys are going to strike out a ton of guys. We just haven't seen enough from them, mm-hmm. so I would go Castillo Hendricks. Boy, okay. Well, people, uh, I love Woodruff this year. I'm a big fan. I'm all in on Woodruff. I would love to have him. He's my ace, even. I would consider that. I'm that crazy. I just believe in what he keeps. He keeps progressing the next level, and as long as he can keep the the wildness down, some of the walks don't get out of control. And he's also been able to be hit a little bit more last year, but I'm not so worried about how much he was hit last season. I think there's more growth beyond that. Sometimes he gets some bad luck. So I love Woodruff. I'm a big Woodruff guy, and I love Burns last year. But this year, I just don't know where he's going to be at now with the innings pitch. Like you said, Jeff, I'm concerned about how much I could trust a guy at the spot he's generally going. And I know we're talking keepers here, but I I think I'd rather trust like the other guys that I can count on a little more reliable if it's keeping forever. You know, sure. Uh, I will say this one other thing, and I love Hendricks. I usually get him in my dress. I just think he's more affordable to get back in the draft if you don't keep him. Whereas you don't keep uh, Woodruff or Castillo, they're going to be gone. They're going to be gone. I mean, you're going to have to compete, pay a much higher price to get him back. I think Hendricks is a lot more attainable to get back. So that's why I probably would let him go back to the draft and then draft him again. Yeah, it's tough to know without all the specifics of the league and how much value is attached to each guy. God. So yeah, sometimes we don't get enough of these, uh, the salary keeper questions for some reason I get a lot of just keep forevers and I've actually never played in a keeper league with salaries connected to them. That's experience. The last experience maybe I've never had. I've done all the leagues I can think of under the sun, but I've never played under a uh, salary associated league. So funny thing is, uh, most of my keeper leagues are salary based. Uh, I haven't played in straight up dynasties that often, and it's just you know, and that that's a different animal. And yeah, yeah everything every <laughs> league's got its little nuances too. Like I'm in XFL, where we if you draft a guy as a minor leaguer, his salary only goes up three dollars a year, as opposed to if you get him in the auction, then he's up goes up five dollars a year, and that accelerates a lot quicker than you realize. And you know, so, you know, you get an elite prospect, you get him for ten years that way. 
Whereas in a dynasty, you know, whereas in a like five plus, you know, you get them for six and you can see the difference pretty quickly. Oh, yes, that is a good point, Jeff. We're talking with Jeff Erickson here from Rotowire. Jeff Erickson is one of the elite minds in all of the game, and no one will tell me otherwise. I am loving what I'm getting from you today, Jeff. Thank you so much for being part of the show. Uh, the next one is this. Again, looks like keepers forever. No salaries attached. <laughs> I can keep four, and so four of these can be kept. Jose Abreu, Ian Anderson, Randy Arozarena. Trevor Bauer, Alex Bregman, and Teoscar Hernandez. So, Jose Abreu, Ian Hernandez, Randy Rosarina, Trevor Bauer, Alex Bregman, and Teoscar Hernandez. Keep four of those players. Well, I mean, I think you got to keep Bauer. Uh, Even if you think he's going to regress to a certain extent, Regress to what? You know, play my Scott Pianowski card here. He always says that, you know, like regression is just the start of the conversation where you regress them to. But meaning <laughs> what regress them to like the third or fourth round. I mean, even still, that's that's still a keeper in this bunch. Um, I, I think that uh, Bregman's a keeper at this uh, in this group. I would say that's it's closer after that. I'd say probably a Breu and I go Randy over T Oscar. I think that's close. I don't think Ian Anderson's in this conversation. Ah, good call. What about you, Deary? Yeah, my slam dunks are Bauer, Bregman, and a Rosarina, and then it comes down to Abreu or Tiasca. Abreu will be 34 later this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, how 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 far are you looking into the future if this is a keep forever? I'm not someone who's looking three, four years down the road. I'm looking for proven track record to win right now. And also there's a lot of other outfielders that you can find out there that could possibly give you similar to returns to, to what Tiasco is going to give you. So I, I think I would go with Abreu. Everyone knows my feelings on Ian Anderson. I haven't seen enough from him yet. Uh, maybe he turns into a superstar in the next two years, but if, if you're keeping four right now, I think him and Tiasco is out of the group. That's how it's done folks. Bottom line information. All right, let's do head to head now. And these are head to head choices, head to head. And, if there's any variations on the stat categories, other, I will tell you. Otherwise, assume it's a 5x5 five five standard. Uh, the first one here is keep two. G, this is standard. Z, Giolito, Strasburg, Flaherty, Kershaw, Plesak, Burns. Geo, Stras, Flaherty, Kershaw, Plesak, Burns. Burns is up here again. What do you say, Jeff? Uh, I mean... I, I take out Strass because of the uh, injuries uh, he's coming back from. He scares me to death. So just take him out of the conversation. That makes it a little bit easier. Uh, I'd probably go Giolito and it's, I think Kershaw. I have Kershaw over Flaherty in my rankings this year. Uh, I'm a little wary of the command issues with Flaherty and how the Cardinals use him. Uh, and I think Burns is fun and all that, but we talked about his lack of innings that I think that, that and how Milwaukee is going to manage their pitchers is really interesting. We were talking about this a little bit yesterday on our pod uh, that they might, they, they said something to the effect of like add a hundred innings to what they did last year. That's what you're going to get. Uh, Burns in particular has managed that he was throwing a lot of like five inning outings. Mate, he wasn't ever really going seven. No. Um, and I think that you have to kind of discount him because of that. So uh Kershaw and who's ever gone broke with Kershaw too? 
That's the other thing. I know there's, <laughs> if, if you're looking for five years down the road, it's a different answer it's just for this year though. And it sounds like it is given how many strong starters this uh, person has. I think I just probably go Giolito Kershaw and get the top two on my list for this year. When you look at head to head, is there something you're focusing on? I mean, even if it's not keeper head to head, what changes as opposed to your standard roto? Cause you're trying to win in short burst or right. is it still just like, eh, I'm going to get the best guys and they're going to overall, I'll probably still be good. I'm on less firm footing when it comes to head to head. I don't play that much of oh. that. Uh, so I would, you know, I think, you know, starting pitching, you know, you know, I don't know if they have like, for instance, a limit on the number of starts you get for a given week, but I would think two start starters are super important in this concept. So you probably need to load up more on starters to begin with. They probably have a little, a certain amount of premium, I guess. Uh, but how about you guys? I mean, I'll defer to you a little bit here on this. Uh, I, my home league is a head to head on Yahoo. It's just old mm-hmm. school as old school can be. You know, <laughs> And it's real simple. It's, uh, five by five, but it's OBP instead mm-hmm. of average. Everything else is used standard issue. And I've won three times the last four years. So I feel pretty good about head to head and what I need to do. It's also keeper based. So it rotates from like a 10, eight, six, and then goes back up. So every year it changes this year. It's eight next year to be 10. Then it'll go back down to eight the year after that. And it's important that you just get the best players in the end. Uh, Saves are something you can get later, too. You can pick up off the free agent wire. And this is also not a fab league. It's got old school waiver wire, which I hate, but it is part of, you know, home league's not perfect. I admit that freely. My BYB. Yeah. Shout out shout out to my guys. I love all those guys out there. But uh, I just, I wish there was a few changes that happened. But in the end, I end up getting the best players, more hitters, and less pitchers. Always more hitters. That's been my philosophy, and that's gotten me a lot of success over the last four Okay. Years. So, and do you make it up with volume and, and you know, stream better than them? Is that one of the ways that makes it work for you then? Well, yeah, we gain the system. Our league is not typical, which I admit, you know, because you can have 100 transactions. There's a cap. As many as okay. you want in a week, but 100 for the season. And that way you can stream certain weeks and make up the ground on pitching. You don't have to keep the best of the best pitchers because there's enough pitchers because the bench is so small. There's only four bench spots. There's okay. a lot of guys on the, the waiver wire is really can, good then. Yes. Yeah. So it's a huge advantage. That's why knowing your league settings is very important, which we always Agreed. say, and you know that as well as anybody. But with head in a head-to-head league like ours, where you can stream, you take hitting, take hitting all day, and particularly OBP guys, because it's not average. So Mike Trout gets a bump. Uh, Joey Votto even is a little bit more valuable. Players like that. And OBP has always been like my core foundation for hitters, and it's done served me very well. Good. So, it, it's just, you know, head-to-head, I... I think people try to maybe reinvent the wheel with head-to-head, but if your league settings are set a certain way, just stick to what they are and still get the best players and don't worry about like, well, you know, I got to get guys that are going to go on a a tear. You know, don't worry about the streaks because overall, generally with a few bad breaks here and there each week, you should probably be in the running for the best team. Chris, in light of that, uh, what would your answer be on these keepers? Well, yeah, I mean, the only thing that I do in terms of of head-to-head has specific categories like that. But going back to the keeper, Giolito's a slam dunk for me. He is yeah. the fourth overall pitcher for me. And when you're looking at Dynasty, he he could be the top, top guy out there ahead of a Bieber and a Cole. For my second guy, I'm actually going to go with Jack Flaherty. So throw out what happened with Jack Flaherty last year. He had two bad starts and that like Mm -hmm. he pitched 40 innings. Like I'm not concerned with 40 innings. I'm going to look at what happened in 2018 and 2019. 
Jack Flaherty was very consistent in both those years. His, his K per nine was nice. Had a really nice K percentage. ERA was really, really good too. And he, he made some strides from 18 to 19. He brought that, brought that walk rate down. He's only 25 years old. People don't tend to hit him very hard. So I would actually go with Flaherty. Am I missing someone on this list, Mike? So it's Giolito, Strasburg, Flaherty, Kershaw, Burns. Was there another guy? And Plesak. And Plesak. Plesak is really, really interesting. I I, I need to see another full season from Plesak. This guy just keeps jumping up the boards right now. And I'm I'm skeptical, but obviously all the deep dives into his pitch mix and his mechanics and what he's been able to do in a year and a half in the majors are really, really good. But I would lean more towards a Flaherty. And I also like the park that Flaherty pitches in. They're, they're playing less than Dave's music, the carnage. Oh, no. They're calling in Zach Plesak. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, but is, uh, no, I, has, a, has a guy ever been more known for one player in the history of the industry than Dave has with Plesak? It's amazing. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Uh, good to have a niche, right? You said it. I saw. I listened to you literally say that on your show with uh, when you mentioned Mike Curlin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Mike did a great job with that. Uh, you know, you know, we, we all see the lineups, but he put it in a, uh, together in a package that you know we could consume it right away. And I, I think kudos to him for it's, it takes a lot of hustle to do that too. Absolutely. Love Mike. Mike's the first guest ever on this show. So Mike oh, is nice. always going to be love Mikey. Sleepy K, you're the best. He's very, oh, look at this. Very... I am. My pick is up in TGFBI. Oh, congratulations. Cool. I'm, you're in I'm round going, three. I'm, no, we're still in round two. I'm going to wait, though. Yeah, you got four no, hours. No, I got pick. I got four hours. I got four. <laughs> I, well, Ito, stop teasing. <laughs> okay, so I took Trevor Story 10th overall. It's come back. I did not get my pitcher. My strategy was to grab one of those three pitchers if they were there at 10, but they all went seven, eight, and nine. Grab Story. And top pitcher on the board is Walker Bueller, who I like. I have shares in some other leagues. And then Castillo Scherzer. I might end up going hitter again here, but I'm, I'm going to wait a little bit. Well, you got Castillo there. That's well. It's do, like Jeff? if I don't take a pitcher here, then I'm probably going pitcher pitcher in my next two rounds. Or I'm just—I mean, I'm definitely getting a pitcher in round three. But I got to wait a while because I'm tenth here. So, well, what's the hitter that you're looking at? You know, I like Manny Machado. I think it might be a little too early for Kyle Tucker. I do like Kyle Tucker because I think he's going to be able to steal just as many bases. I think Machado ends up 100-100, though. Hmm, Tucker's uh, got a long swing. I, don't, I mean, he's talented, but... I'm definitely out on Mondesi. I'm not just trying to scoop up my stolen bases this early. I'm going to wait on stolen bases later in the draft. So it's probably between Bueller and... Machado, just because I think some of the better third basemen are gone when it comes back. And if I go hitter here, I'm definitely going pitcher next round up. So so it's so it's tough. It's gonna be a while till I figure this out. All right, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was funny. That was very delayed. Uh I assume you like Castillo more over over uh, Bueller, Jeff. Is that true? No. I I think oh, I like true. Bueller a little bit over Castillo, to be honest. That makes it, me happy. Yeah, I, I, I mean, Castillo's fine. He's great. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of worry about the walks still. I think there's a little bit of worry about the team context. I think that the Reds are going to be a, a, a disappointing team this year. And maybe I'm just oh. a self-hating Reds fan. Uh, well, but, you are, aren't you? Yeah, I am. <laughs> um, just the, the they they don't have their de- their infield defense isn't very good, uh, and. Maybe if Jose Garcia wins the job, that then they're better oh. defensively at shortstop. But he's not ready. That. 
Would love, uh, he's, not, he's not ready. Yeah, we know. We all want it to happen, right? But it's not going to happen. And the outfield defense isn't very good. You know, the new and improved, more mobile Jesse Winker. Great. Uh, Castellanos? Still, we've already been through the Castellanos experience. Yeah. That's awful. Nick has to play the outfield, it means trouble for your team defensively. It does. I mean, well, remember there's the doubleheader game. Uh, first weekend home series for Detroit. There's that Sunday doubleheader. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think it was uh, you know, Desclafani was in line for the win. Can a corn fly ball and catch I know exactly Rouse. what you're talking about. It was in right yeah. center. Yep. Yeah. We watched it. And, uh, oh, yeah. I thought the center fielder was going to get it. Uh, you <laughs> called for it. Just catch it. I think uh, I feel Red like the Reds still won the won game. It. but Yeah, it, they won the game, yeah. Yeah, but it was like a reliever that got the win instead of uh, Desclafani. And I still had a little disco fever back then. So, so uh, that's the difference right there. Bueller and Castillo, Bueller's defense much better. And yeah. I think Bueller, I just think Bueller's more talented in the end. I really do. And more runs too, for that matter. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I like I like Bueller more for sure. People yeah. are paranoid about innings with him, but he's not Corbin Burns. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, what Somewhat happened last fair. year happened. He wasn't ready for the start of the season. They managed him early in 2019, too. So I get the concern with that, but yeah, I'm still I'm still taking him there. He's just so fluid. I know he's He's a fluid mechanics. They're so beautiful. He's a pretty, pretty repeatable delivery he has overall. I don't think he's, I'm surprised he has injuries in the first place. They do surprise me, but hey, I guess they can yeah. happen to anybody. It's, it's just a question, Chris, I think of what pitcher you're going to get back in the third and fourth round. I mean, are you, are you going to jump on glass now at, at pick 40 or are you going to, or Snell or who are you going to take? No, cause, yes. no. Cause then at that point I'm waiting. Cause then I need someone who's going to be dependable and I don't like either of those guys. Yeah. I, I like Glass now a little bit. I'm I'm scared of Snell. I think he was managed for a reason. Uh, uh, yeah, here's here's uh, where Mike backwards. It's here's backwards, where Mike Jeff. here's where Mike and I well, disagree. They, he's high on Snell this year, and I'm not at all. I traded him in a dynasty league because I'm I'm worried. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I think Snell is going to flourish again. We're talking about a Cy Young winner too. So yes, he was managed for a reason, but he's also been able to have incredible incredible seasons because he's got a he's got a whole package of pitches that he can throw, and he's going to be in the National League. You take out that DH and you get him a little bit deeper. I trust that we're going to see him get more reins taken off. You're going to so you're hanging out with Gray Albright a lot here. He loves himself some Snell Mike, too. It's it's not going to matter because he's still going to throw a hundred pitches through five and a half six innings. Like it, it, it's it's not going to have anything to do with management. He just throws a lot of pitches. Well, I'd rather have Snell over Glass now any day of the week. So Chris is going Lance Lynn in the fourth. Then is what you're saying? No, I just took Walker Bueller. Okay. Oh, there it is. I, I have done. no patience. I had to, I had to just, pull, I had <laughs> to just wait. The, it's going to take me a really long oh, time. I, I had to pull the trigger. <laughs> All right. Good job. Uh, now, B, BK Rodman wanted to know uh, who was the top outfielder available in that draft, by the way, dear, just for the hell of it. Can you tell us? Yeah, it was Kyle Tucker. Yep. Oh, that's right. Okay. There you go. BK Rodman, 33. All right. Let's talk about some insane fantasy takes here. Get the show on the roll here. Insane fantasy takes. Why you taking so it's still the preseason. We still have time to get it on the record, Jeff. I want you to give us the goods. I want you to go on the record and tell us something that's going to happen. You can call it your shot on any player or maybe an outcome on, uh, I don't know, a specific type, a grouping of players. Uh, if it's outfielders or pitchers, I don't care. You can do anything you want, Jeff, but just give it to us straight, original, and fresh. Okay, uh, this is one I've been going. I don't know if this is insane, but Framber Valdez and Jose Urquidy should be going at the same price. Uh, Framber goes 150, like 100 plus picks ahead of uh, Urquidy, and I think Urquidy might even be better straight up. I think Framber is getting overdrafted, and I think Urquidy's especially underrated. 
I think that is that is not that's that's just smart. That is smart business. That's what that is right there. Arkady and what about Christian Javier though? You throw him in the mix. Do you think there's some risk being... about him not winning the fifth starter's job? I, I I'm a little concerned because they used him as a reliever in the playoffs, and he needs that third pitch to kind of come into a BB a little bit more reliable as a starter. But here's the thing about Arkady is the strikeouts were down last year, but he had that long delayed start of the season because of COVID. And then he faces the Angels. And then he faces another team that doesn't strike out a whole lot. I think it might have been the A's. And so his strikeouts were down there a little bit. Plus, he's he didn't have the ramp-up period. I mean, you can do all you can at the alternate training site, but it's not the same thing. And I think he's – I believe in the 2019 Urquidy a little bit more. I think he can flat-out pitch. I know everyone says, okay, the, the BABIP is not going to be that good. I get that. Um, I think he's just a really good pitcher. And I, I think – Meanwhile, Framber is going a little bit too much, too early for my taste, and Arkady's got going way later. I mean, he, he's he's a perfect guy to slot in as like your SP five, maybe even SP six, and especially if you go like you pair him with like Tyler Malley or Zach Eflin, they they fit really well together. One of those two guys is the strikeout guy, and Arkady's your ratios guy. Fantastic! I support it all the way, and I can dig it. I just wanted to clarify about the third possible man because javier and urquidy are very close to each other based on adp and mm-hmm. i was wondering how you felt about that that's all i needed to know and that all was right. a great great insane fantasy take i love it deary what do you got i know we got more i know we've we've squeezed so many out of you because you do this every show so it's getting harder well, and harder but i know there's more in there <laughs> and also i hate this segment because i gotta find a guy that like is way down there and i have some crazy take on him i'm actually I've just pointed out some players that we just haven't talked about. I'm going to talk about Yasmani Grandal. Obviously, if it's an OBP league, Yasmani Grandal is probably number two on the board for catchers. But right now, he's going fifth or sixth for catchers, about 125 ADP. I like Yasmani Grandal a lot. He's going to be the mainstay behind the plate there in Chicago. He's going to have over 500 at-bats. His walk rate is incredible. So if it's OBP, you're all over him. He batted 230 last year in 46 games. I think... Career, he's a 240 hitter, so he will probably slot between 240 and 250. But what I really like about Yasmani Grandal is he's going to have a ton of RBIs, and he's going to hit 20 home runs. He's been able to hit 20 home runs four out of the last five years, had eight last year in 46 games. I love the lineup in Chicago. He's going to be batting near the end of the lineup. There's going to be a ton of guys on base. He's a guy don't sleep on. If you didn't get JT Real Muto early, which I advise waiting a little bit on catchers, I actually will go after a guy like Grandal over a Smith or even over a Salvador Perez. So Yasmani Grandal is someone I like this year. Insane fantasy takes. No doubt about it. For me, it's real simple. I believe that Shohei Otani will finish in the top 10 of either the Cy Young or the MVP voting this year. Top 10, Cy Young, or MVP. One or the other. I don't know which one it'll be, but it's going to be one of them. So lock it in. Insane fantasy take. Booyah! (laughs) I love Shohei Itani. And I I love the hitter a lot more than the pitcher. But I'm starting to warm up to the pitcher a little bit, too. And in NFBC leagues, you can put them wherever you want based on the week. You know, if it's a draft champion's. You can set your lineup, and he's going to be a pitcher. Well, he's going to be a utility, but you got to make that decision at the beginning of the week. So, yeah, the one thing I, I like this year compared to last year with him is Joe Madden's come out and said we don't have the Otani rules this year. You know, we don't have where we have to rest him the day before a start and the day after a start. They might still do that eventually, but it's not a hard fast rule this year. Uh, 
and I think in the past he has actually hurt in the NFPC format because, you know, because of those rules. So you weren't counting on getting four day starts in a row at DH and, you know, from the Monday through Thursday period, you could get maybe two, maybe three. And of course he's UT only. Whereas now he's still going to be DH only and that hurts, but he might get five offensive starts in a week. You might get six and other players get platooned all the time. Jesse Winker as a comparison point, for instance, you know, does may not get to hit against lefties. Now all of a sudden now, yeah, okay, I might be a little bit more interested. I, I wish you were just a full-time hitter. Oh, so from a I. fantasy standpoint only. From a real life standpoint, my God, it's it's he's incredibly he's fun. And if you're in a daily moves league like Auto New or like a Yahoo game or anything like that, where you can put him, you know, one day he's this, the next day he's that. Oh, and he's gold then. Well, yeah, Yahoo still splits him up into two human beings, which is dumb, but whatever. Yeah. So that's it's so ridiculous. So, <laughs> so does Tower Wars. Uh, but anyways. <laughs> That's great. Jeff, why don't you give us one more insane fantasy take? One more insane fantasy take. I got to prepare one here. Uh, let's. Oh, we can come back to you if you want. Yeah, come I back got, to me. Let me. I'll I got get a you barrel. One. I got so many in the chamber. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> insane fantasy take. Deary, one more. Come on. Hit me. Uh, how about David Fletcher? Uh, David oh. Fletcher is going to score 90 runs this year. If he ends up leading off for the angels this year, I think he has really, really good fantasy value. He's a guy who could possibly give you 10 stolen bases as well. Guy batted 319 last year in 154 games in 2019. He batted 290. He had 650 plate appearances and scored 83 runs. I think the offense has improved this year. And what I really, really like about David Fletcher, the guy never strikes out. So he's the kind of the perfect candidate to dot to be near the top of that order. So, Keep an eye on what happens in spring training with him, where they're slotting him in the order. I think he's kind of the perfect leadoff guy who's going to be able to get on base. And if he does, he's going to have a chance to score 90 to 100 runs. So I'm going to go with that. David Fletcher right now, I believe ADP 222 right now since February 1st. So the min, though, is 140. So there's mm. certainly been jumping up a lot. With the, yeah, the min, 140. I, I'm not believing at him at 140, but 222, yeah, I, I'll believe in him there. That's All right. Uh, that's- Bizarro. Wow. I like that. I'm going to stick at second base. Um, this is a guy that you should be getting in round 30 of your 12 team drafts, or maybe not round 30. You may have to go a little bit earlier than that. Give me Brendan Rogers. Uh, give me a guy that could win the second base job for the Rockies. They're putting Garrett Hampson out in center field. They, they're really excited about trying to do that there. They're trying to make room for uh, Brendan Rogers. Remember we all got burned on uh, the Rockies during Fabo Palooza in 2019 when all those six guys got called up at once and Rogers barely played. I think now the decks are getting a little clearer. People have forgotten about him. He was hurt last year. He could be a top 20 second baseman, and it wouldn't be that hard. Second base isn't that deep. You mentioned Fletcher, who, who's really ta- – you know, he's qualified at three different positions. That helps a lot too. Uh, but give me a guy like Rogers, who has a really high ceiling. I mean, granted, it, it's a low floor, but guess what? You're paying around 20 or higher cost. Give me guys like that late in your draft that can, you know, really boom or bust. Yeah. All right. See, I knew you'd come through, Jeff. Well yeah. done, sir. Well done. Yeah, I think the Rockies are also in that kind of full rebuild mode now. We'll see what happens with Trevor Story. That contract is coming up. Does he get shipped out this year? But yeah. we're finally going to be able to see some of these guys for a full season with the Rockies, the Garrett Hampsons, and especially Brandon Rogers. Let me throw a double dose at you right here. This is a twofer. Hunter Dozier will go 30-15 this year, and Jeff McNeil will win the National League batting title. There you go. Lock those in. Ba-boom! Going out strong on Insane Fantasy Takes. Those are just crazy kind of takes we like to do on this show. All right, let's talk to Jeff about 
fantasy again. But let's get a little more into how he looks at things. We'll do this kind of a, a little bit of rapid fire here, I guess. So let's uh, make this a little more timely. So what is the first thing you do when you sit down for a new season of draft prep? I start with doing well i'm weird because i do my projections uh pretty quickly and i'll just you know what i do is i read through what the player did each player i go i don't have a system you know i'm not smart enough to do uh, of a programmer so i go player by player you know and really look at what they did try to dig in three-year weighted averages as a start but then you know i look at all the statcast data i try to read up on whether it's extenuating circumstances it takes it's a laborious process it takes too long and people shouldn't be doing what i'm doing but uh <laughs> you know if i'm getting ready for a particular draft you mentioned this earlier know the specs of your league it's the most important thing you can do every league does have its own certain quality there every certain rules i my my original league is an ale only 4 by 4 league uh, we still are ale only four by four, but we had the Brewers because they were still in the American League when we started back way back in the day. But so you have to know the nuances of your league. In our league, you know, saves are supposed to be really important, but they get overvalued. It, it, the pendulum swings too far. So all instead, I, I custom my uh, auction strategy to, you know, get, you know, starting pitching, you know, especially younger starting pitching that I think can break out or I'll get like the top setup guys a lot. You know, see like an Aaron Bummer on my team, you know, for the minimum amount. Uh, we have other nuances there, like you don't have to use your entire salary on your active roster. You can buy your reserves or you can go vice versa and, you know, get into the, you know, you can spend all your budget on 18 players and get everybody else in the reserve. So knowing your league specs, super important. Uh, I, I think that's the most important thing you need to know in, in doing your leagues. Fantastic. That is what I like to hear. I got to tell you. Knowing your league specs, we talked about it earlier in the show even, it's so vital. Know it because it can give you huge advantages like my home league where I know I need to stream more pitchers and I can worry about keeping hitters. These mm-hmm. little things matter. They're very important. Don't take yep. them for granted. Uh, is there somebody in the fantasy industry that you'd like us to know about that maybe we don't know enough about? I mean, somebody who deserves a little more of the spotlight shined on them. There are so many <laughs> that do. Uh... <laughs> But the thing, and the great thing is, like this blog, the the, the podcast contest is really shown that light on people a little bit. Like Toby, for instance, is just a hell of a player. Um, my co-host partner Scott Jenstad is one of the best players I know, uh, and one of the, the nicest people I know too. Uh, you know, I, I think that that's a great aspect of it. That's a good question. Who who should people know more about? Um, Mike uh, Micah Johnson is another guy. Uh, Fantasy Central at Fantasy Central one. Uh, he's now he got hired by Fantrax. He puts out these great threads on Twitter all the time. Um, I'm getting to know him more, and I think he really is someone I you know you should people should be following and learning more from. Uh, I'll tell you, there's a never ending list of people that are that are providing great content. That is very true. Yes, uh, Micah has been on the show last fall. And Mike is one of the first guys I started focusing on when I got into uh, more actively involved in the industry, taking a look around and focusing, following people and paying attention. Mike is a great guy. And he also has a show that he does with my guy, Stully. Shout out to Stully because I was on the show last month. That's the Fantasy Insider Show. Mike is not always on it, but when he's on it, he's a part of the show. That was a good one. God, I love Micah. He's so nice, too. He's like the most humble guy you'll ever meet. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird It's weird how nice he is. It's like, wow, oh, can you really be that nice? And yes, he really can be that nice. Uh, do mock drafts help you, Jeff? Not as much as you think they would. Uh, because there's no repercussion to it. 
you know, you, some, you know people will sometimes bail sometimes they'll, they'll try wacky strategies in the middle of them because they're not playing it out. Yeah. I, you know, we do one for our magazine and it's all industry people. And I don't usually see anything too weird about that. Uh, I think clay link does a good job of putting it all together for us. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, there's some value because it just gets me thinking about drafts. So from that standpoint, yes, but I really need to play in a league that matters. I, I'll do a draft, do a draft champions league. Usually is the way I get really start getting ready for draft season. My first DC is like, okay, now there's a consequence to who I've taken. And I'm, I'll probably mess up on my first draft a couple of times. And not probably we all mess up, but I'll probably mess up more on that draft than I will other drafts because I'm, I'm still not clear where the tiers are. I think you really need to be in a draft that matters to know where these points of inflection are in a draft. Great points. I love it. I don't think mock drafts can be all that helpful unless you're like really novice and early mm -hmm. with a lack of experience completely. It could be helpful, but if you have experience, I just don't, I don't think you're going to learn a lot from it because of what you said, no stakes, no stakes, no value in the end, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, so we know that uh, you respect Vlad and Todd Zola a lot. Uh, is there anybody else that you would like us to know that you go to for fantasy advice? I mean, those two are great. They're both lords of the fantasy baseball realm. No arguments right. here. Anybody else we should know? Uh, I mean, I, I mean, my butt, my, my co-host Chris List thinks approaches it asymmetrically. Uh, I, I mean, he has a mind that just spots issues quicker than most people. It's not just that he sees things. He, he gets it right away. Uh, you know, we did, you know, uh, some, I did some BB tens like two years ago for the first time. And he's like, no, you can't get this DH this early here. It's going to kill you on that because the, you know, the flexibility matters with everything here, having multiple position matters, you know, and he spots that like right away. Um, so I, you know, I, and that's a, that's a big brand name though. I'm trying to find someone maybe, I mean, I always go to Genstad for advice. We text each other all the time. Uh, you know, it's, it's, there is that little circle. Thing is, I mean, we all have like I, I, I fear to omit people because I know so many different people in the industry. It's it's tough. No, um, yeah, don't feel like you're pitching. Yeah, I'll, I'll, people. I, I say Genstad and Liss are two people I turn to a ton when I talk about when I when I look for advice. I would love to get to know those guys. They get a lot of respect from everybody in the community. Again, these are people, follow them on Twitter, pay attention. You will learn something, and they will help you win your league. They will at least improve your situation by some quotient. Uh, how are you looking at the 2021 season with the lack of innings pitched from 2020 because it was a short season? How are you, gonna, how are you dealing with it? Do you have an answer, or are you going to be honest and say, you know, I can't give you much? I'm guessing that veteran pitchers are going to have a little bit more value. Uh, because they're going to be allowed to throw more innings. So I put a priority on those guys. They might not be as flashy. They may not have you know as many strikeouts, for instance. A guy like Dallas Keuchel, you just know he's going to get his 30 starts, 30-plus starts on a good team. Uh, you know, It's funny, though. He was being managed a little bit last year. But, uh, you know, okay, Hendricks is probably a better example, though, uh, of guys that you just like, all right, they're not. right, he's not going to break. I feel pretty pretty strongly that he's not going to break and he's not going to be treated like a China doll that will break. So let's go ahead and use him a little bit more often, bump him up in my stand in rankings just a little bit more. I think I want to try to make sure I get two starters early. I think that's the other thing. And I think a lot of people are, it's not really a unique thing to say that though, is the problem is how do you separate yourself from everybody else that gets two starters in the first three rounds? 
That is a challenge. That's a big challenge, Jeff. Yep. We're talking with Jeff Erickson here, and he's trying to figure out innings pitch situation for 2021, just like me and Deary are. Who's to say? We're doing the best we can with the information we have in front of us. But just remember, this is an unparalleled and a rare season, unlike any other season there's ever been, because we're coming off of a situation that most front office people don't even know how to deal with it. And they're yeah. learning on the fly, like we all are with our fantasy teams. Yeah, and that's one thing too. It's like, yeah, you said that they're learning, and we learned last year the rules can change in Major League Baseball midseason. You know, they mm-hmm. changed the doubleheader rule, for instance. Uh, <laughs> the DH happened a day before, <laughs> right? And it could happen a day before this year too. And mm-hmm. that—that's one of the things. Like, for as certain as we are about some things, it's this is all fluid. It's very, very fluid. There's no doubt about it. And with their intense, we already mentioned the CBA stuff earlier. You never know what's going to happen. There might be a break. I wouldn't count on it, but it could happen. Uh, projection systems, you kind of hinted on that already, but do you use other people's projection systems a lot? I look every once in a while to see what they say about a certain player. I don't like have a, uh, like I haven't gone systematically and said, okay, they're different for me on these, these, these type of players. Honestly, I could spend all day doing that, all month doing that. It's just so much to consume out there. And really, I want my projections to be my projections, too. Um, you know, Ariel does a great job aggregating a bunch of different projection systems already. How am I going to do better than that? So, I, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll look and see what he says. But, uh, you know, it's been done. I don't need to do that. Yep. What's your favorite type of league to play in? 15-team uh, in a PC main format. Followed by auction leagues, league, single leagues, uh, single league auctions, AL only or NL only auctions. Hmm. Oh, wow. That sounds like fun. Did my first auction uh, last week. It was a lot of fun. I loved it. Can't wait to do more of those. Uh, ADP, how does it play into your drafting process? Got to know where they're going. I mean, I, I think you may be higher than the field on a guy, but and if you are by 50, you shouldn't be taking him 50 ahead. You should know, at least know that. Because you're passing up some value. I mean, you, you run the risk every once in a while missing your guy. And that has happened because, and especially later in draft season, especially in the NFBC, you'll get guys that shoot their shots. They take their guy, they have their guys. You can get caught up in that. I met like I early in draft season last year, I got a lot of Zach Gallon. In July, I got none of them. And to my to my everlasting regret, because he was awesome. I mean, granted, wins weren't really there, but everything else was awesome with him. But you know, it, you do kind of get caught up in that sometimes. So I use it. It's not a be all end all, but it's it's a tool that I think you should probably avail yourself to, especially in the NFPC. Absolutely. I think that speaks volumes, in my opinion. Uh, and what about the old school stat cat? So, you know, we, they get dismissed or just kind of assumed as categories that people play within, but that still means they have an importance because we need to fill those categories to win. So right. how do how do you... How do you stay up with analytics and move forward, but not lose sight of the basics that need to be covered? Or is that already implied in analytics? Well, I think it's supposed to tell us who are the best players. Sometimes analytics get conflated with fantasy. And I think that is a problem sometimes. I mean, it it leads to our detriment sometimes. It's not that it is a problem if you don't make it so, but you can say like, oh, this guy doesn't walk. He's probably not a really good player. But in fantasy... You know, sometimes not walking is what you want. You want more. You want more counting stats. You know, swing the bat already. You're watching a game. You got a guy a runner on second and third, and oh, he's taking. He's he's doing the right thing for the team, taking that walk. But that doesn't help you. Yeah. I mean, unless you're in an OBP league. 
and maybe he gets, uh, you know, he gets a better chance of scoring a run, but I, I want him, him to drive those two guys in. But in real life, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. And that's a very basic example. But, yeah, I, I think you can kind of get caught up in that a little bit. And, of course, when it comes to speed and, and saves and stolen bases, they're the least sabermetric-friendly sabermetric stats out there, categories out there. They're, they're terrible stats, really. And holds are even worse than saves. Don't get me started on holds. But Oh, boy. Um, I mean, I, I get the notion of trying to protect these, uh, you know, try to make increase the value of these uh, eight, seventh, and eighth inning relievers. They're very important. They're really good relievers, but the hold is a terrible stat. I mean, you can get one guy out and allow three runs, but as long as the team didn't you know, blow the lead, you got a hold. Congratulations! It's, I, I just don't think it's the greatest stat. Oh, that's all. But I, I, I. I do understand the impetus, though, to try, especially the way bullpens are being managed, that you want to try to find ways to improve non-closing relievers and try to enhance their value. I get that because you want them to be part of your game. Drew, Drew Pomerantz matters, even if he doesn't say get close, they get saved. You hear that, Drew? You matter. I would say maybe Jeff. It's time for you to come up with a new stat for no, relievers. I, I've got enough on my plate. No thanks. But, oh, I, no, but what is it? What I mean, what would you do? Would it be strikeouts? So we already have that's redundant. You know how is it? Yeah, I mean, I'm. I mean, I misspoke. I mean, would you do K per nine? Is that's what you know? Elite relievers are probably best at or K percentage. But that's, that's kind of a redundant. Has stand. You already got league. strikeouts. I yeah. I played a K per nine league. I play in a holds league. And Mike actually used to be in this league. We did fielding percentage one year. It was really oh. funny. It was <laughs> really funny. Well, I mean, Mike will attest to this. It was like, okay, how can we really go way deep down into Pandora's box and think mm-hmm. of something that really encapsulate all of the game? And then we realized like midway through the season, we're like, there's really nothing that differentiates fielding percentage whatsoever. It was just an add-on stat to all the you, – you weren't – making selections in your draft based on, oh, this guy has an amazing fielding percentage. It was really funny that we did it for a year. And the tendency is when it's a new stat that people don't know, they just kick the can down the road and we'll just deal with that last anyhow. We'll punt holds. We'll punt, uh, you know, defensive war you know we'll we'll do whatever there but well it's it's funny jeff because the the league that we have k per nine and holds in there's only really four or five guys that focus on those but Mm -hmm. starting pitching doesn't matter in our league at all i mean we have quality starts but like if you have two studs the rest of your pen or the rest of your pitchers are basically setup guys closers because the K per nine and the holds are so huge, and we still have saves as well. So if you look historically to the last five years, the teams that win every year have the most elite bullpens. And people that are Do you kicking, think that's a desirable result? No, not the, at all. But I've taken right. advantage of it, and I've finished sure. in the top five every year. But then there's we, we still have some novice players in our league that don't look at that, and they're just playing by the other kind of five-by-five right. five categories, but it doesn't really matter. I have now become commissioner of that league. I cannot make the changes yet, but we can put up to vote to change for next year. So maybe we'll get some some new yeah. categories next year or go. But I, what I'd like to do is just go five by five. Yeah. The late Laura Michaels always said, you know, just tell me the rules. I'll make a spreadsheet and I'll beat you with it. Um, and, you know, it's like I, I don't care what what, you know, because people would be bickering about the rules. It's like, I don't care. Just tell me what it's going to be and then I'll, I'll find a way to win. Um, and I, I always love that attitude about him. I love that. That is a great line. I'm going to remember that one because, man, Laura's back-to-back show. Laura's been uh, shouted out on this show. Well done. Yeah, a huge, huge impact in our industry. I love to hear that. Yeah, Chris from Baseball Pods was on the show on Saturday, Mm -hmm. and he he told us all about Laura, and it was very cool. So I'm grateful that uh, 
he, Chris, even thought about comparing me to a guy like that. So he's had a tremendous impact, and I know that he's not with us anymore, but I'm glad uh, that his legacy lives on through people like you and Chris and others. So that makes me feel good. Oh, thanks. All right, well, you know, there we go. We got Fantasy Foundation, a little bit of Jeff's process, how he looks at things. I hope you enjoy that. This is the Hey, it's Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Palazzo Podcast on Twitter, two L's, two Z's. Utah. PalmaMino.com. Don't forget, we're part of the Roto Fanatic Podcast Network, and you can listen to Paul Mamino on an episode of the Pole Hitter Podcast with Rob DiPietro. It's one of the great pods out there right now. Rob won the overall draft champions last year, $30,000. And he had our buddy Paul on, who's invented the Data Monster, which you can go to RotoFanatic.com right now and dive into and do a little research and play with it and see what uh, you get out of it. It can be very useful. A lot of great stuff about WOBA and plate discipline and pitch counts. Like, if you really want to get into how hitters are hitting certain pitchers and what the counts are, it's very descriptive, but I find it to be useful. It just takes some getting used to, that's all. So don't be uh, overwhelmed when you head there. All right, let's do Shine or Ride the Pine. This is where we get Jeff on the record, predictions. There's no pushes. It's either over or under. It's a simple okay. game, Jeff. I'm going to ask you, a, give you a projection, and you're going to shine it, or you're going to say ride the pine. It's just that easy. Does that make sense to you? It does. I thought it did. Excellent. And we're going to be using Carmeirano's projections today. Carmeirano is in your TGFBI league, Jeff. That he is. Had the first pick. Started off with Mookie Betts. Oh, he did start off with Mookie Betts. Fascinating. Okay. Well, Carm is a big fan of yours, by the way. So I told him we were doing a show together, and he was he was very excited. So he oh, cool. wanted me to wanted me to say hello. So I'm saying hello for Carm. There you go. All right. Hello back. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, you <laughs> out there, Carm? He might be watching. Who knows? Uh, he's yeah. also expecting a child soon, so he's probably very busy. All right. Let's start with this guy, Ozzy Albies. Ozzy Albies is being taken basically. Second second baseman off the board generally right now. Uh, can we expect 14 or more steals from Ozzy Albee? Shine or ride the pine, Jeff? Mm, shine. Hmm, okay. You're not worried about lineup order or any, regardless of that? Uh, I'm not. I think, he, yeah, he. I'm not really worried. I mean, he had the wrist thing last year, and I think that over, like, that loomed over everything, and I think he was fine by the playoffs. I think he's going to run a lot. I think he'll be back to normal. I've got him right at 14, but huh. shine. Cool. Well, there it is. Deary? Yeah, it's a shine for me. Let me look to see what I have him at. I have him at... I've met 16, so I have him a little higher. Hey, all right. I'm going to ride the pine on it. It's a shocker. He might steal 11 bases, but hey, that's not terrible either. Uh, Will Myers. Will Myers had a great season last year. And I'll, no, it was a uh, short sample size. You may have heard about that. So I don't know if we can count on Will Myers. One year we can, another year we can't. Will Myers is a mystery. He's an enigma wrapped in a riddle. We'll never really know the true Will Myers. But we expect 24 or more bombs this year from Will Myers, Jeff. Shine. I'm just a shiny, happy person, apparently. I've got him for 28. <laughs> uh, change in approach. A lot more discipline at the plate. This was a team-wide attempt last year, too. Jace Tingler was talking about this very early in the season, how, you know, they, they they wanted to work counts more, you know, take and rake. And, you know, Kevin Acey has a really good uh, – he's a San Diego U- Union Tribune beat writer for the Padres. He has a really good regular newsletter, and he talked about that very early in the season. Like, this is a concerted effort. They are taking more pitches on purpose. Uh, to try to get more people on uh, on base and try to wear the pitchers out, see more pitches, and then pal. And I think that was something that paid off. Of course, health is a risk with him, but I've got him at 28. Deary. Yeah, I have him at 27. I think the one thing that 
I can at least depend on with Will Myers is that he's going to hit over 25 home runs. He may not bet 288 last year. He may not drive in, you know, 110 runs or whatever, or score a ton of runs. He's probably batting sixth or seventh in that lineup, but I, I, I still think the power is going to be there. Uh, and he made the changes last year, so I, I'll shine it. Here's a guy who just signed a four-year, $25 million extension with the Kansas City Royals, Hunter Dozier. He's definitely one of my guys. I love Hunter Dozier. 22 or more home runs this season, Jeff. Exactly 22 is what I haven't projected for. Oh, you guys uh, are same panico. I guess so. I mean, uh, I've got, yeah, and I think he, he'll even get you like seven stolen bases, uh, seven to ten stolen bases. I think you said 30-15 right earlier today. I, I, so. Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> crazy, crazy goofy. Yeah. He's getting goofy. I'm uh, I'm I'm shine, uh, not as bright as you, but shine, and he's Woo-hoo! very affordable too. Yes, and he's gonna get third base eligibility. That's good yep. news. I love yep. that, Deary. What do you think? Twenty two or more? I have him on twenty two, but there's no pushes. But uh, so does, is twenty two a shine then, or he's got to go above twenty two? What's your general yeah. feeling about him? Do you have good vibes about him? Yeah, I, I think the value of where you're getting him at is fantastic because of having dual eligibility, and he might swipe a few bags. So yeah, let's 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 shine it. I, I've liked Hunter Do- Dozier in the past. I think last year was a down season, but we all know about last year. That was garbage. Go back to 2019. He had 26 home runs and 139 games. I think he's going to be similar to that and bat you know 265 to 270. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll shine it. Thanks there for pushing me over the edge there, Jeff. Perfect. Anytime. <laughs> Royals are making smart moves, man. Their their lineup is sneaky good. It really is. It could be a fun team this year. I'm looking forward to see how they uh, coalesce this season. Uh, Trey Mancini is back, and he got a base hit in his first at-bat yesterday in spring training debut, which is beautiful. That's heartwarming. Couldn't be happier for a guy who survived stage three colon cancer. So thank you to all the doctors and medical people that made his recovery possible. 2021, though, Trey Mancini. Can we expect him to hit 275 or better this season, Jeff? Uh, no. I think he's going to strike out a lot. Um, he struck out in a second at bat. 266 is what I've got him at, though. So it, it could be could be worse. But mm-hmm. I'm going to use a little bit of caution with him, too. I think that he might get managed a little bit in terms of playing time. I've got him for 127 games. So typically, that means I'm not going to get him. Great story. Uh, just sure. Not, not paying the price. Hey. It's a bottom line business in the end. We're very happy for him. He's going to live a long, healthy life, hopefully. But uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to fantasy baseball, you got to make a bottom line choice. And even though he had the 290 season a couple years ago, you think that's kind of above his value? Or just this is how things are playing right now coming off the cancer? That it, It's not even the cancer. It's just I think he might have been a, above his skis a little bit in terms of that, that oh. high batting average that year, too. So, okay. yeah, I just it's I, I think I'm below that there. Okay, well, that makes sense to me. Deary, what do you think? 275. 275. I've met 269. Uh, I mean, going back to 2017, he betted 290, but his BABIP was 352. In 2018, he betted 240 with a BABIP of 285. Most projections, BABIP has closer to low 300s, which will probably slot him in closer to a 265 to 270. And like Jeff said, I I don't know how many games he's going to get. I mean, that's obviously not going to affect his average too much besides, you know, not having everyday plate appearances and getting comfortable with being up at the plate. But, I mean, we're all going to be rooting for this guy last year. The the ovation he got yesterday, even with limited amount of people in the stands, was really incredible. So it's it's amazing to see that he's back. 
and we're all going to be rooting for him, but I think I'm going to go uh, ride the pine on the 275 average. Speaking of recovering, Tommy Pham, a little bit of a different recovery for him. <laughs> he got stabbed in the parking lot of a strip club, but he's okay. 22 or more steals this year. What do you think of that, Jeff? So I find myself in a position where he fits in where, where I'm drafting. I took him the other day in an online championship, but I don't have him at 22. I have him at 20. Some of that's probably games played. I have him for 136 games. Uh, so that's going to be, uh, it, it's really close. I guess he's, if, if, if 22 is our standard, then he's right to pine. Yeah, Jeff, I know what you mean. He's always there. He's Every draft I've been in, he's been sitting right there. And if I mm-hmm. wanted to fill a steals gap, I could do it. But I find myself just not trusting him. And yeah. I, I, go in a well, and I, did some, I took Trey Turner in the first round. And so I kind of ignored speed for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, I, it's, it's a weird build because it, there's a lot of – my eggs are in like four baskets when it comes to my stolen bases. There's him. There's Dansby Swanson. I got Leote Tavares later, uh, and there's Fam, and I, it's uncomfortable because I'd rather have <laughs> like eight guys that can run and not really rely on you know because if a thing goes wrong with Turner, if he if he gets 15 stolen bases this year, I'm not competing in that category. I mean, it, it's going to be really difficult. I'm going to have to scramble on the waiver wire, and you know the the stolen base options you get off the waiver wire are usually pretty lousy. That's a fair point. What about you, Deary? 22 or more steals? I have him at 19. I mean, he's going to be 33 this summer. I, he's never stolen over 25. 25, he's done that twice. I mean, how many opportunities is he going to have? He's probably batting fifth or sixth in a lineup. I don't think he plays 145, 150 games. I think he's slotted more in at 130 so they can give some of the other guys opportunities. So I'm going to go a, a tad below it. But to your point, Mike, he's always seems to be around when I'm like searching for steals mm-hmm. and he's there, but I always seem to find better value in other guys. And then I kick steals down the road even further. So, so yep. we'll, we'll, we'll see what he ends up doing. Uh, he's not a guy that, that is going to play enough games to get to over 20 steals, I think. So I think it's going to sit between 15 and 20 so i'll go uh ride the pine yeah aj preller's made a mess of fantasy for us on the padres there's gonna have to be some sifting out to find out who kind of rises to the top once this lineup hits opening day tyler o'neill of the st louis cardinals tremendous power tremendous power can he hit 21 or more home runs this year and get enough playing time to make that happen jeff erickson yeah, they trade away Fowler. I think. I mean, the problem is, can he hit enough? I mean, that—that's the, the tricky part about him. I mean, he could hit 195 and find himself in the minor. So I'm going to go mm-hmm. under 20 homers. Uh, and the thing is, he's fast too. People don't realize he's got all this power and all this speed. Can play center field if need be. Uh, he's kind of like a poor man's Bader in, in terms of like the defense. Uh, they're very similar in terms of their offensive profile. Uh, I, I'll say ride the pine because uh, I. You know, Carlson's the one guy we know that's going to play. And I think these other guys are in prove-it mode. And they could put Edmund in the outfield if they need to to kind of get somebody else to play out there. And Lane Thomas. The, yeah, who knows? Yeah. You're right. There's a real mess in that outfield. Even though they made some space. They've cleared out a Rosarino over the last couple of years and followed. But we'll see. We will see. We'll wait for that 30 home run season from him. What do you say, Deary? So last week I had an insane fantasy take that Dylan Carlson was going to lead the Cardinals in RBIs. I almost went with Tyler O'Neill leading the Cardinals in home runs as an insane wow. fantasy take, but that would be really, really crazy. Because to Jeff's point, 
I mean, if he ends up batting 190 and there's better options out there for a team that's going to do their best to compete in the NL Central, then he probably gets demoted. The power is there. I mean, the guy hits the ball really, really hard. and He's been able to made seven home runs last year. He also batted 173. So mm-hmm. if he plays 135, 140 games, can bat closer to 250, I think it's a shine. And you, I mean, I, I got to come to a decision here. So I'm going to go shine. I'm going to say, screw it. Let's go shine with Tyler O'Neill. I think he stays up with the big club, bats closer near the end of the order, but he's got really, really good power. And I think if he gets over 500 at bats, I think 25 home runs can happen. And to your, in, to buttress your point, I mean, the K percentage is actually trending in the right direction for whatever it's worth. I mean, you know, 40% in 2018 in the big league level, 35% 2019, only 27% last year. Uh, you know, so it suggests that the the low batting average was pretty unlucky. I mean, 189 Babbitt will suggest that too, pretty, pretty loudly. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's, it'll insist upon it, in fact. It won't even suggest. But uh, so, yeah, there, there's clearly some upside there. And, you know, the thing is, I'm not against taking like a stab on him late. And he, he's going at a late enough price. He's 450. I mean, he, he, we're talking draft champions only sort of type of draft, or, you know, more. More than a thirty rounder to be able to try to to have to to have to roster him. So yeah, he's a, he's free almost. Free? Yeah, and Jeff, Did you hear yeah. that? And Jeff, you even said he's got some speed. He could be, swipe you ten bags yeah. for the value of where you're going to get him at. That seems pretty good. You're getting him for free. Man, I'm gonna shine it. I, I just believe in Tyler O'Neill. Even though there's no DH, I would love to have a DH to kind of, as Jeff said, buttress the point further. But I cannot do that. Uh, I'm shining it. Oh, what the hell? We're living. Shine on, on you, crazy diamond. That's there right. I love Pig Floyd here. All right, let's do a couple pitchers here. James Paxton, he's in Seattle now, back where it all began, where he became the big maple that we used to love. 1.17 whip or lower this year, Jeff Erickson. 1.17. I'm going to go over. I'm going to say higher. So it's a, it's a you know, because even in 2019, it was 128. And, mm. I, you know, that that's what I think we're hoping for with him. Really, I, I, I think the days of the, the two years really where he had the good whip and that's it. So I'm going to say uh, it has to be a fade here. Ride the pine on that 1.17 whip. What about you, Deary? Yeah, it's a ride the pine for me as well. I, d- I don't trust that he's going to be able to keep guys off of the base. And he has struggled in the past when guys are on base. So he, he's going to give up a lot of hits. I mean, the, the strikeout rate could still be pretty good it could still be up near 11 which he's had the last few years but i don't trust him when guys are on base and his control is kind of all over the place so i i don't think he gets back to the really good seasons he had in 16 and 17 with seattle so i'm gonna go ride the pine on that he's also 32 years old now and he's had some injury issues for the last few years so he's someone i'm actually avoiding right now yeah that's tough uh you love you love you love james Paxton. Well, last year he really screwed me. I picked him as my dark horse MVP or Cy Young winner last year in a short season. Of course, I was hoping for the short season. Hey, maybe he would just make it happen. But that was the exact opposite of what reality was. So I'm going to ride the pine on the 1.17. You got to prove it to me, James. I need you to show me, just like Toby says from Batflip Crazy. I want to see it first. Tyler Glass now. Let's try this one. Tyler Glass now. Can we expect him to have a walks per nine of 3.1 or better? Walks per nine of 3.1 or better. What do you say, Jeff Erickson? I am looking up my projection for him right now. I've got him at 3.45. Mm. Negative, Ghost Rider. Pattern is full. 
Deary? What's the number? 3.1. 3.1. Basically, three walks per nine. It's close. Yeah, he's he's gonna he's gonna go over that. I mean, I'd love to see what he did in 2019 in 60 innings, where it was 2.08. But it's gonna certainly be much closer to his 2018, where it was 4.27. Maybe not that high. The projection that Jeff had was was pretty close there, three four five. It's I have him around a, a three three to like a three five. So I'll uh, I'll ride the pine on on glass now as well. Yeah, I am going to ride the pine on that. I just don't think he's going to be able to have the control you want. And kind of like where Jeff's number was, 3-4. So it won't be like that far off, but just slightly. Well, especially yeah. if he's going to try to develop you know, more pitches than what he actually has in that arsenal, which pay attention to what happens in spring training if he tries to add her third or fourth pitch because it's going to take a while to you know get the cobwebs out and trying to figure out what you're going to do with a new pitch. And that could lead to a lot more balls and I mean, a lot more Hopefully walks. he spent the offseason working on it a little bit, but <laughs> Well, we'll see. We'll we'll see at the spring training if he did something with it. Hopefully, he did something during the offseason toward being yeah. a better pitcher. That would be a positive. Uh, Hyun Jin Ryu of the Toronto Blue Jays, former Dodger, seventeen or more quality starts this season. What do you say, Jeff? Seventeen or more. I'm gonna say shine. I, mm. you know, Ryu was really. I mean, people don't realize how good Ryu was last year. He, he yeah, he he. You know, pitching in a tough situation in Buffalo like that, pitching in against Eastern Division clubs, still put ch- cranked out the 269, 115. Fragility is the only question for him. Can he make a 30 a 30 plus start season? He's only made 30 starts once in his career, 29 in 2018. But he had no injuries last year. I I and he didn't have any in 2019. He's of an age now where he's probably a little bit less at risk. I, I'm gonna say shine. All right. I like the optimism. Deary, what do you think? Everybody hates quality starts. Oh. I, I mean, I have him leading the American League in wins. That was my insane fantasy take the other day. I love I, I, I love Rio. He doesn't walk anybody. Mm-hmm. He's been healthy the last few years. I think he's one of those few dependable guys that goes 180 and above for innings pitched for a team that's ready to compete in the East. I think he has a really, really solid year, and I think it finishes in the top five of AL Cy Young. So you're asking me 17 quality starts. I'm going to go even further. I think he gets 17 wins. Boom. Boom. Boosted. I like it. Wow. Yes, that's it. Hey, we got to mix in insane fantasy takes with trying to ride the pine into one thing, the ultimate Deary showdown pick. I love it. Kenley Jansen of the LA Dodgers. Eh, he lost maybe a couple miles per hour on his fastball over the last couple of years. Still was fairly productive. 2021, 25 or more saves, Jeff Erickson. Oh, shine. I'm at 35. Ooh, that's a no-brainer. Yeah, I mean, everybody remembers the World Series. Everybody forgets the regular season. Yeah, he, he look at the things he did. He's 32% strikeout percentage. He induces all this weak contact. I think average exit velocity is like 82, 83 miles an hour. Uh, he's just really good, and he's the established guy. I mean, he's one of those guys now – where, you know, he's not the hot name. And so he, he's gone from the third or fourth closer to like the ninth closer. He's on the best team in baseball. There, there's going to be copious opportunities. I, I don't see him going away. I'd like to believe that. I really would. Uh, Deary, what do you say? 25 or more saves? That's that's really tough. Um, I am going to shine it. So I'm not 
terribly worried about his fastball being down because he started. It throwing actually wasn't down either. He's, by the way, it was. Yeah, no, it it uh, it wasn't down as much as people are are. are pre- I mean, if you go back to what it was, two thousand fifteen. Yeah. Well, I said last couple of years. Not it's, it's last down. Year. It's, yeah. it, it's yeah. down. He still that? threw ninety two miles per hour in his fastball last year. But what he started doing last year more than ever is putting some movement to his fastball. So he started yep. throwing a cutter a lot more last year. He threw that yep. 61% of the time. So if you've figured out a way to throw a fastball, that's going to have a cut, some cut to it, your value is going to go up a lot. And especially a guy like Kenley Jansen, he's going to create weak contact. He's going to have all the opportunity in LA to continue to, to hold down the back end of the bullpen. They have some other options out there if they need an emergency and where he, someone has to come in and step in for him. But I think he's going to have all the opportunities at the start of the season. LA's the best team in the National League, so I, I think 25 is doable. I, I still think he gives up some runs, but I, I think he's going to have the opportunities, and I think 25 is doable. So I will say shine. All right. Woo-hoo! I'm going to ride the pine on that one, but I would love to see him still do what he does. He's been an established guy for a long time. I have no beefs against him. No beefs at all. So, All right, last one. Last one, and that'll be it for Shine to Ride the Pine. We're going to go with... John Means. John Means of the Baltimore Orioles. Can we expect 180 innings pitched from John Means this year? Jeff Erickson. Innings pitched. Um, let's see. What do I have him for? I'll tell you. Uh, no. I'll say under. I mean, I have him 149. I don't think I have a particularly close. I mean, 180 is like the new 200. I, first <laughs> of all. I, it you is. Know, in this particular year. Uh, he had other issues last year i think he did didn't he have a slow he was slow to get started he only had 10 starts last year only 43 innings that's probably yeah. some of it there I his forget, father it? died too yeah it was a whole thing does that was that the reason i thought there was a health was, reason maybe there was a health reason and that there's a couple things okay. going on that he's a personal yeah I, I mean i just think 180 is just a pretty high high threshold I, you know he's never done that in his career he's not really even come close 155 is the most he's ever done right um yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll take an under on that one pretty comfortably. If he gets like 160, I'd be pretty happy with it, to be honest with you. I think that's very, very wise. I would uh, take the under, ride the pine as well. Deary? If John Means is going to have 180 innings, that means he's pitched really, really well this year, and his ERA is probably like in the mid to low threes, which I don't expect from John Means, not this year. I think his ERA probably hangs closer to four and a half to five. And, you know, he has some of the pitch mix and the, and the skill to be very good. But I hate the division he plays in. Oh. I hate the park he's in as well. So for him to pitch 180 innings, he's going to be one of the upper echelon pitchers in the American League. And I don't see that from him. I, I He's closer to a 150 to 160 innings pitch. So I'm going to ride the pine. There it is. It's in the can. We'll shine or ride the pine. Jeff Erickson's on the record with the Hey, it's Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. So cool that he did that with us. I really enjoyed that. And uh, I hope all of your predictions come true, Jeff. I really do. <laughs> and uh, let's do some quick community chatter. We'll get the hell out of here. So these are emails, tweets, questions that come in for Jeff since people knew that he was going to be on the show. Uh, first one is from Blair. He says, what's your draft playlist? You know, that's <laughs> I will throw it on Spotify just in like a shuffle of my like songs. And I have no particular playlists. I don't sort it out. I'm very old fogey. I just have like hundred songs on there and I'll just shuffle through it. Maybe 200. I don't even know how many is on there anymore, but 
it, it was good. It, it works for me there. It's Draft heavy. They might be giants. Wilco, uh, Weezer. Um, what else is? And I, I, I'm old. You know, it's going to be a lot of. Uh, <laughs> well, it's good stuff. It's good. It's good. Stuff is in there. A lot of, yeah. lot of you know, REM. That sort of level of stuff. Um, there we go. A lot of 90s. We love that here. We're huge right. fans, Jeff. You're speaking our lingo all day long. I don't even have all a right. draft playlist. You're ahead of me. I need to get a draft playlist. Uh, Brian asked, Brian Krogman, BK Rodman on Twitter, first time in a daily transaction league, 12-team Roto Mixer 5x5 five five auction. Wow. One catcher, six-man bench. Not sure about hitting a pitching split. And should I be stockpiling closer speculations to stream or have offense at full strength on those Monday Thursdays? So he wants. Should That's I a be, lot. There's a lot. There's a lot. Parts there. <laughs> at least uh, he was particular about you know the dynamics of his league because we don't tend to get that in the yeah. So I do appreciate that. So it's simply this: like, hey, should I be taking a chance and stockpiling closer specs, or you know, should I have offense at full strength leagues. first? Uh, yeah. It depends on like whether there's a cap on number of moves, but I would say I would discount closers at the auction. Uh, I would do like your home league where your head to head home league where you're piling on the hitters and streaming the pitchers. I, th- I think in a daily moves league that really, uh, if you're paying attention and you can be online a lot, then I think you need to be uh, d- doing that and taking advantage of the guys that emerge. I think there'll be more free loot and pitchers this year than, than there have in the past couple of years too. Brian does bring up a great point about head-to-head that I forgot to mention earlier, and this is a shout-out to you, Brian. Well done. The Monday-Thursday lighter days, those are important when you get into those crunch time weeks, weeks you really got to have victories. You want to be looking ahead at the playoff schedule in particular because you want to know where you're going to be light, and if you don't get enough at-bats or you're short on innings as opposed to what the other guy has, that'll put you at a major disadvantage. So that's a really good point, he says, you know, where he said, should I have offense at full strength on those light Monday, Thursdays? That Yes, right. you should. Especially if you got teams that are loaded with the dreaded two, three schedule, two in the first four days, and you know, Monday and Thursday off. Hate those days. Yes. The MLB schedule's changing over the last five years, too. You're getting these yeah. days, these Wednesdays. Like, it all started where it was always the same days. But now there are these Wednesdays where teams are off. Not every team right. plays. And you got to keep an eye on those things. Schedule well, is... Very important in head-to-head. This yeah, is well, why we really, really need to hope for no COVID hiccups this summer because it's going to create a mess in fantasy if there's days off. If oh, the Cardinals, be, if the Cardinals miss a week days. and a half. Yeah. I, I wonder how they handle the first positive test, though. Uh, is it going to shut everything down like they did? Because they're, they're, they're going to happen. Uh, let's face it. I mean, it, we're not done yet, unfortunately. Uh, we're getting no. there, but we're not done. There's going to be hiccups. Uh, I, the other thing is, you know, because there are, you know, 15 teams in each league, there's always an interleague series. There's always an interleague. You know, so that by itself causes all, all sorts of chaos there because sometimes those are those two games interleague series as opposed to the three. Never have a four game interleague series unless you're going two here and two there. But so that, that creates all those uh, extra days off. That's That's a big driver of that. Great point. Well said. That's it. We're done. The show's over. We have talked long enough with Jeff Erickson. He's been very generous with his time. I want to thank Jeff from Rotowire. It's been a real pleasure getting to know you a bit and hear your takes on fantasy and about your playlist. And, you know, you we even got you to get angry. We got that in there. So I feel like we at least <laughs> covered that part. You got passionate. I like a little bit of passion mixed in with some honest analysis. 
Jeff, thank you so much. Uh, any final words from yourself on this show? No, uh, thank you guys for having me. It was a lot of fun. Uh, just ask you guys to check out Rotowire. We got a 10-day trial, rotowire.com slash free. Uh, you get access to most everything except for like our live draft software. Don't need a credit card. Just plug in uh, your, you know, create a username uh, with a valid email address and off you go. Woohoo! It's just that easy, folks. Don't forget to do that. Support Rotowire. They're really honest to good people. And I didn't always know that, but now I do kind of know that based on my conversations with other people and Jeff. So he's a stand-up guy. I support it all the way. Rotowire for life. I dig it. I love all it. Right. Thank you much. Yeah, you're welcome. Derry, say goodbye, Derry. Jeff, thanks so much for having or, or for being on our pod. Thanks. Thanks so much. It was <laughs> incredible how two hours and 15 minutes just fly by. But uh, right. for myself, you can catch me at CDERY1999. We're in round two of the TGFBI, so I'll be tweeting about that all week. And also getting ready to drop my first base rankings based on the Deary Decimal System that was created this year. So I've also gotten a couple DMs ex- that would like me to explain the Deary Decimal System a little further. Um, so I'll do a breakdown of that this week as well. There you go. I'm MJ Govier on Twitter. We're the Plaza Podcast. Plaza Podcast at ProtonMail.com. Don't forget, it's two L's, two Z's. That's how we do the show. And you can also still join the Plaza Invitational. League Four is still taking entries. We have three full leagues. We're underway. Please sign up for the fourth league. Our link is in the bio of our Twitter page. You can sign up anytime. $50. It's just draft champions. No minimal in-season management. There's no fab or anything like that. So please sign up. We would love to have you aboard. Overall winner wins the big-ass trophy. Thank you so much to everybody. Thanks to Jeff Erickson. We will see you guys next time. Godspeed. Right, lads. Now, I know there's not a faint heart among you. And I know you're as anxious as I am to get into close action. But we must bring him right up beside us before we spring this trap. That will test our nerve. And discipline will count just as much as courage. The Acheron is a tough nut to crack. More than twice our guns, more than twice our numbers. And they will sell their lives dearly. They mean to take us as a prize. And we are worth more to them undamaged. Their greed will be their downfall. England is under threat of invasion. And though we be on the far side of the world, this ship is our home. This ship is England. So it's every hand to his rope or gun, quicks the word and sharps the action. After all, Surprise is on our side. <laughs> Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan 
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.